Yeah, you know what time it is. This is Mike Thunder from the Mike World Order. Just wanted to give you a friendly reminder before listening to this episode that all content on here is parental advisory. Please be mindful of your surroundings when listening to any episode of MWO, with the exception of a few. Thanks. Hey guys, it's your guy, Mike Thunder, telling all of you people that there's a show tonight that we're all piped up about. Besides, it's Wednesday. You know what time it is. And also, I want to say for the record, the other day, a woman was talking about how men should be obedient, right? she had a giant ring off which is cool and that's great for those who want to show off their lovers like that I have nothing against that but I've also learned that even the biggest ring does not mean anything when you're feeling the attraction of Mike Thunder the whole fucking vibe (laughs) What's happening, everyone? It's, of course, your host, Mike Thunder, and welcome to Volume 3 of Mike Thunder Era. Mm, Nice little intro y'all heard, right? But there's some truth to that theory. Don't get it twisted. I'm all for being loyal and being in love and all that. But hey, if you're not doing your job, I don't care how big your ring is. I don't care how big your wallet is. And I don't even care how big your junk is. So I don't even know how to pull it off. The law of attraction that is Mike Thunder. Because let's be honest, if this was regular Mike, it would have never worked out. But anywho, just wanted to add some humor to that statement earlier. But there is some truth behind it as well. See, I like forbidden fruit. Who doesn't? Okay, it's the best fruit to enjoy. And I'm also a person who enjoys when people tell me, Mike, you can't pull it off. Mike, you can't do this. Mike, this is never going to happen. Listen, just because you can't pull it doesn't mean I'm not going to try. And if I don't make it, I'm going to try. Tonight's guest is a prime example of the phrase, Damned if I do, damned if I don't, I'm going to try from the grave to the backyard. If you remember the old school wrestlers, the Moondogs back in the day, 
this guy's basically paying homage to it. And I don't even have to mention all of his accolades, but I plan to because, well, it's my show. And two, every guest on the show gets a bomb-ass intro that I guarantee you, <clears throat> not just guarantee, but I'll put my rent money up that no one else has pulled off an intro like the way I have because every time a guest comes on, they say it every time. What a great intro. Best intro I ever had. I'm MC Hammer. You can't touch this. That being said, he's basically been everywhere, okay? He's been on front row material. He would, I would say, is one of the pillars of guests I've had on Mike World Order. He was on the first Great American Bash campaign I did, and he still has the t-shirt to prove it. He's been on various episodes of MW After Dark. He's been various promotions in the independent circuit in his area, as well as Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which is produced by Game Changer Wrestling. He is also the current, I think it's pronounced POW Entertainment Heavyweight Champion even though he has been slimming down compared to the first time he's been on the show. This guy's been putting in work, and he's locked jaw because he's the prime example of Temple of the Dog, and he's going to bite you raw. But at the same time, he's also a very kind person as well. He's one of a kind. He's very genuine. And I'm so glad to kick off the week of Thunderslam too with our very own. You know him as Moondog Greg Murray. You know him as the dog face bastard Greg Murray. You know him as all sorts of things. But to me, he's always going to be MWO's Moondoggy. Welcome to the show, Champ Champion. Long time no see. Actually, uh, I don't know if like the last time I was on was like a year ago, but something popped up in my uh, Facebook memories of me on the show. So it's definitely been a while. It was definitely at the very least last year, or at the very longest. But it was great to great to be on, and I appreciate that intro. That was awesome. Thank you. Oh yeah, and uh, you know I got to top off the intro with one more thing too, guys. And this is for all fans, bookers seminars, all that shit. If you want to contact this man, here's reasons why you should. And it's endorsed by me. So you know my shit is real. Let's check it out.
That took me four hours to make. <laughs> but you know what's funny though? So, um, so first off, what did you think of the new intro to the show? Now the whole rebranding, as you can see. I dig it. I, I dig the music too. It was I was getting into it. Oh yeah, I was um, I was on a West Coast excursion, and something was inspired. You know, one of the tracks I was listening to in downtown LA was that. And for those who are curious, it's um, O2 Underground by Skelter or mm. Skeller. I think it's how it's pronounced. I'll send you guys the track for those who are interested. But um, I heard that track and something just like clicked in my head. And mind you, I had on my Mike Thunder Ear shirt, and which you can buy on ShopMWO that you'll see at the link scrolling down. Um, shameless plug-in, I know. But something clicked in my head when it came to it, and I had on my Mike Thunder Era shirt on, and I was at around one, and everyone thought it was like an anime-inspired tea, so 10 people bought a shirt. <laughs> Hell yeah. So that was a nice little chunk of cash that was made, but it wasn't even about the money. It was the fact that people actually had an interest in it, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, man. But I've still been watching you on my radar, even though it's been a while since we had you on. I know you've been doing your thing out there, you know, discovering more levels of yourself. And trust me, uh, Big Brother has been watching the whole time. Mind you, I don't, and I sadly say this, I use uh, other alternative streaming. I paid cash to watch that uh, Big Gay, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, just mm. to see you on there. I appreciate that. I know um, now they switched it to the uh, Fight Plus service, so you got to get the monthly service uh, to watch GCW in general. But I know there's like other stuff on there, so hopefully that helps with the, you know, people leaning into subscriptions for that. But um, uh, but I, I was gonna because like uh, I was gonna buy the LA one just outright, and then I and um, then I said, oh, you got to subscribe to the thing. I was like, oh, okay. So about a year. <laughs> A year, I paid seventy dollars for like a year subscription. I'm probably gonna only use that thing twice <laughs> oh, <laughs> to watch both brunch brunches. <laughs> Dude, you gotta you gotta watch Talking Shop one and two. Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember Talking Shop. Yeah, I oh I got God. the first one. I remember buying it because it was like fifteen dollars. That had to been. I was like almost. That was three years ago. Three and a half years ago. Yeah, let's say that was definitely like six months before I started training for sure. Yeah, it was it was during the pandemic. <laughs> it um, was hilarious. Oh, that was great. And it gave me like so much inspiration with podcasting and then you know being part of FRM and meeting you guys and oh yeah. You and you know Christopher Butt, Liam Savage, you know. Yeah. The OG crew, right? I mean, Liam's actually a regular on our show on Tuesday nights. Okay. You know, um, he couldn't make it in tonight. I was like, come on, man. I got Moondoggy on, man. Like, literally, I was saying it in my Carl Anderson Southern accent. I was like, come on, man. How you going to do that, man? I'm sure we'll catch up with him eventually. Oh, yeah, man. You know. But, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> We're whacking. Hey, did you hear that they're bringing back King of the Hill? 
Yeah, I actually started watching King of the Hill um, last week. Not because I, I hadn't seen it in like since I was a kid. So I finally sat down and started binging it. And I just been enjoying the hell out of it. Same you know, I, I just so I, I'm definitely excited that for that new season because like if it's any if the first season first um, two and a half seasons are any indication how good it'd be, I'm down. Uh, I still gotta watch the new episode of uh, Futurama too because uh, I got to see the new episode last week. Um, it kind of makes me wonder how they're gonna do King of the Hill this time because there won't be no Luann. Mm. Her husband's not in there either. Cotton died. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting how they're going to do this season. Uh, I always wondered if they would have struck iron with it, with doing a real-life film. I was trying to figure out who would I hire to play the real-life roles. So far, I can only think of, like, two people. I can only think of two people. Okay. And once, like... Once I say the reason why, it'll make sense, right? Okay. So, Bobby Hill. I was thinking Lucas Black. Mm -hmm. Because the role he played in Sling Blade, he would have been the perfect Bobby Hill. I mean, he would have been a smaller Bobby Hill, but he would have been the perfect Bobby Hill. Right. Um, but then the person I thought of for John Redcorn was spot on. And the only reason it made sense, because I saw the pattern on what was it? The Dark Side of the Ring. I would have gone with Ultimate Warrior as uh, John Redcorn. <laughs> A prime Ultimate Warrior? I would say 92 version. 92? He's a little, he slimmed down? Where he slimmed down and he looked more human without his face paint. <laughs> when, he, when he was two two eighty pound roided up warrior, he looked like unreal without the face paint. So seeing him in ninety two, where he looked a lot more healthier in the face, yeah, at least to me, I think so. Yeah, I would have gone with that version as my John Redcorn. Who would you have for uh, Hank? I can't think of anyone for Hank. But for Dale, I was yeah. thinking, I was thinking uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> I was thinking, and I was thinking for like, I couldn't think of anybody for Boomhauer yet. I couldn't. The only person I could think that would strike me for Boomhauer would probably be um, David Spade. Oh, perfect. And then yeah, that, that's it right there. I would have had. Um, who I would have had for Bill. Bill probably would have been... Uh, I, I couldn't say Jack Black. I'd, I could see Jack Black. Yeah, but Bill's taller than Jack Black. Well, I mean, it's a movie. I mean, yeah, like, I get that, but I'm just it. saying. I'll like, take creative liberties here and there. You know, yeah, I, I could see that, but I could see someone like Jack Black or um, who else we know in Hollywood? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, yeah. I think I'd go. John if C. not him, the other dude from uh, Step Brothers. John C. Riley, yeah. yeah. I could definitely see him. Um, what else? So I, we pretty much got everyone right there, the crew, except for Hank. Who would be our Hank? Tom Hanks? <laughs> really? You could see Tom Hanks? I could. I could see it, you know. 
Dude, like he, I, I can see him like put on the voice at least. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't. I mean, maybe because of Forrest Gump, but that's the only. I think that's really my only. Um, but I don't think he could pull and Woody. <laughs> you got a friend in me, anyway. Yeah. But uh, trying to figure out who else could we think of For that Hank. would make a good Hank Hill. I could say Meat Canyon, but I don't know how tall he is. I know you heard of Meat Canyon. Meat Canyon. <laughs> You've never heard of Meat Canyon. The the artist? Yeah. The animator? But then I can also ooh, I got it. I got it. I got it. What's that fucking guy's name? Um he played on uh Eastbound and Down. He put Kenny Powers. Oh uh, McBride. Yeah, yes. Danny McBride would make the perfect Hank Hill. Especially that, when... <laughs> let's circle back. Meat Canyon. You mean the dude that made the one, the Bugs Bunny cartoon that got pulled off YouTube? Is oh, that what we're thinking of? It's, it's still on YouTube. Another user put it up. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Okay, so I just wanted to confirm. We're talking the same one. I was thinking that because he's got like, but he's too like fat. But I can see Danny McBride because of the role he played on the Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> Very Hank Hillish, but religious. <laughs> you got a CGI that Hank Hill ass on him. <laughs> oh, he's perfect, man. You've seen it on Eastbound and Down, you know. He ain't got no ass. <laughs> he ain't got no, man. He's got the Hank Hill booty, man. You know. No one <laughs> look, we stopped saying white dudes got a flat butt. We just say you got Hank Hill booty. And everybody knows exactly what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> everybody, yeah. even even people who've never seen King in the Hill has seen his ass on, on, exactly. on Twitter or Facebook. Like, and then there's a, a recording trap artist who raps in Hank Hill's voice called Hank Trill. I found that the other day. I just got bored and looked up like Hank Hill AI uh, songs, and of course, there's some like if you if anybody's ever played New Vegas, they know like Big Iron and stuff. They they AI'd his voice to sing it. But I found Hank Trill. Oh, yes. <laughs> I sent a song to a buddy of mine who's who loves King of the Hill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then got his other characters like Cleveland Green and Cleveland Junior. Um, who else has he had? Um, because there was one track that was really good that was Cleveland uh, Green and Hank Trill, where it's called Stank Out. Talking about some close the window, you're letting all the stank out. Big money got me dripping like a lake now. Big booty bitches got me dripping wet now. That's not very nice, Loretta. And then <laughs> it's pretty, the guy who does it is pretty good, whoever he is. And then I heard one of a Mr. Crabs. There's a oh, Mr. Yeah. yeah. And that one's pretty good. The Mr. Krabs one's been my favorite so far. I love seeing all the AI covers of just SpongeBob characters in general. Um, they're like for some reason Plankton has the perfect voice for like any rock music you can think of. Yes. <laughs> I I found one of a tool song. Uh, I found one of um War Pigs by Black Sabbath. <laughs> and here Plankton, yeah, oh Lord, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's worth listening to that whole thing. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, legit. They're hilarious. I mean, personally, I'm more of a Leonard Skinner guy. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
I'm sure there's some. There's got to be some AI covers of Leonard Skinner songs, right? Yeah, I mean, especially Free Bird. I mean, come on. I'm free as a bird now. Oh God, that's a sore subject right now. Now that I think of it. <laughs> when I saw Jenny walk off of that balcony, she was gonna jump. <laughs> Let's see. My bad. Did it get a little too dark? My bad. No, 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 no. That's just... Now I gotta find out if there's um. There's got to be AI covers of Freebird. Let's see. Either either Freebird or Sweet Home Alabama is that, that's that's a given. Sweet Home Alabama is a given. I got, but, there's SpongeBob singing it. There's if, fun of Donald Trump. <laughs> but I tell you what, they should have struck it hot. And I hate to say it, I ain't saying it to promote somebody's death. But I'm surprised there wasn't a bunch of Skinner downloads when. Uh, Jay Briscoe passed away. No, no, Ken. Because I'll admit it, I had Give Me Back My Bullets on repeat for like two or three days. Mm -hmm. And I would shuffle between that and Reach for the Sky, which was made by Adam Massacre, who yeah. is notorious for doing amazing wrestling covers. Like, I'd probably say my top three are his Ultimate Warrior one, his Vader one, and his um Seth Rollins, he did a he did a mean Seth Rollins one. I I uh the song they played in the AEW tribute package uh has been is in my uh, playlist. I listen to that every now and again. Yeah, man, it was just such a crazy time for it to happen. Oh my god, I remember when it happened. Um, it's like now that I've become a wrestler. I think like anytime somebody passes away, it start it kind of hits me harder. Like these, I love Dark Side of the Ring, but like there's episodes where I just get really crushed because <laughs> like all I can think of, selfishly, all I can think of is like people I know, and like because I know the day's gonna come when I get the news that someone I know passes away, and we gotta have a ten bell salute or a tribute show to, for them, you know that sort of deal. Yeah. And there's times where they'll do a ten bell at a show, and I'm just a mess. <laughs> and then there's times where they do a 10 bell salute. Where I'm like, <sighs> and then I'm like, all right, let's wrestle. <laughs> you know, it's like, it sucks. But the yeah. Jay Briscoe one, definitely. I texted um, all my friends and said, Hey, I love you. And they're like, hello. This is how bad the world is. When like you text up, when you can, ran when you randomly text somebody, I love you. And the first question is, are you good? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm good. I just uh, just watch. It's, I just, yeah, you know. I mean, it's one, it's a natural reaction. And two, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm very oblivious to stuff like that. I'd be fine. I'd be oblivious to when I get hit on because I'm used to being the one doing the hitting. So when it happens to me, it just goes over my head. So I completely get it, bro. I completely get it. Oh, yeah. And plus... I don't think it's just a pro wrestling thing. I think it's any type of brotherhood or sisterhood that you put yourself, you know, part of, you know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. I'd be the same way if, like, based on my weightlifting background, if I heard anything bad about my weightlifting coach, it would tear me to shreds because he was like a second father to me. Or any of, you know, famous power lifter or weightlifter. Yeah, I took it hard when, you know, two-time Olympian, 
in Olympic style weightlifting, Oscar Chaplin III, when he passed away. Why? Because me and him were on the same national team together. Oh, that's wild. We represented the same national team. So when that happened, and it, he wasn't no old dude either. He was young. Maybe a few years older than me, probably. I don't know. Probably. Probably was in his 40s. But still, it hit hard. Because I was trained when I had bigger competitions. His dad was the one that would train and guide me. On yeah. top of, like, if I was at Nationals, I was getting not only just my weightlifting coach, but his father was training me. Um, there was another Korean trainer, uh, Shin Ho Kang, which uh, he he actually was the reason I got over my fear of needles. Really? I used to be scared of needles and taking them until it was my uh, 17th birthday. And... He was like, I heard you're having a uh, birthday soon. I said, yeah. And he was doing acupuncture on my my knee because of my bad knee. And next thing you know, he had at least about six of the needles in there. And he lit his uh, cigarette and was lighting each one of them. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, don't move. Don't yeah. move. He said, blow out the candles. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> no, I wasn't said I was 16 at the time because this was right after probably the best year I had in weightlifting. But um, this was when I was actually it was last minute Olympic trials in Savannah, Georgia, before going to because uh, I needed to qualify for uh, I think it was. 17 and over nationals. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Um, but I tell you what, my knee was never so ready that day. Not only did, you know, and I was an extra lifter, so I wasn't going to medal. But yeah. not only did I qualify for nationals at the Olympic trials, last minute Olympic trials at that, and not only did I break the Georgia State record, but man, it was such a great feeling of that happening. And getting that type of treatment, you know, they got me ready. So, yeah, I I completely get it. Even if it's with podcasting. If I any past guest I've had and something happened to if something happened to you, yeah. You know, it would it would tear us hard because once you know you build that pack with someone and or group of people and you build that bond, no matter, no matter what happens, it's gonna hit hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It sucks. <laughs> it does. It's but you know what? Though. We're going to move that shit out the way. Oh, yeah. Let's, we're, we're supposed to be in good vibes. Yeah. But, Mr. Now, is it POW or P-O-W-W? POW. POW. It's so, POW, Mr. Yeah. POW Entertainment Heavyweight Champion, how does it feel... Winning your first ever championship. It was wild. And um, the story behind it is super cool. Um, but um, I can't get into it. Not yet, anyway, out of respect. Uh, it, but when I tell the behind-the-scenes story, eventually it'll be like, wow. <laughs> like, what? That's our deal. But... For my first championship to be the POW Heavyweight title, 
is a huge deal because Piles has been around um, as I think it started as I believe this is called CCW or something like that. It, it, it's Piles been around for like 20, 25 years. It's one of the longest running indies in the Chicago scene. It was like um, one of the first ones that after that broke off from um, Windy City, which is the big um, post territory promotion in the Chicago area in the eighties and the nineties. And, you know, a lot of guys uh, ran there and the promotion, I think ran to like the mid two thousands. And I want to say Kalisto came out of it. Mustafa Ali came out of it. My trainer, Steve Boz, all the vets currently like, you know, Vic Capri and Scott Spade and uh, um, uh, Jimmy blaze, you know, all those guys. Um, Pretty much any vet you see in the Midwest has probably been through Windy City or at least knows somebody who's been through Windy City. So Powell and CCW being like one of the first ones to break off there. And then eventually it becomes Powell. And, you know, looking at the all the heavyweight champions, you know, they're, uh, they're all like named vets in, in the scene. So to be amongst that group of people is amazing, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I have the accolade of the first, um, I may be the first LGBT champion in general in Powell, but I know for sure I'm the first heavyweight champion, uh, to represent that group, which is an honor, uh, because there's a guy named Mateo Valentine in Powell, who I would have thought would have been a shoe in for the heavyweight title, but you know, it, I got it. <laughs> I got it first. Now, say Mateo might not get it later, but, you know, for now, you know, I'm going to enjoy the ride and see where it goes. But I made a joke backstage. I was like, wouldn't it shock me? As I was like, I thought I was so scared of my first championship being from, like, a shit fed or something <laughs> or a shindy. Um, but, no, I got it from what I perceive as a very prestigious independent promotion out in Chicago, and that's Powell. Like, I think the big promotions out of Chicago right now are POW, CSW, Freelance. Um, of course, AAW is probably number one because everybody wants to go there. Everybody. Um, but uh, POW, you know, they have lineage. They have a uh, story. Uh, Tony D'Angelo came out of POW. Uh, he got um, – I want to say he won the POW tag titles with somebody. I think it was Joey Chichi. Three years ago. And it was almost three years ago to that day when he won the NXT titles the other day. Tag title the other day. So that was pretty crazy. Uh and that's yeah, that's one that's one of the big um that's one of those big like wow kind of deals. Um but yeah, uh at this point I'm rambling, but um it's an honor <laughs> to sum it up. TLDR TLDR huge honor. And I'm glad this is my first championship, you know, because like I, I, my big worry was maybe I'll win a title from an upstart promotion or maybe not so quality promotion. I hate to be mean like that, but, you know, it happens. Um, but for this to be the first championship, it's like, holy crap, because <laughs> I it's a, to me, it's prestigious as hell. And that's that's what you want. You want that prestige, and you and I've heard of Pow even um, through PWI, whenever they do like that, the Indies and all that. Oh, really? know, oh yeah. And I've done like the back history with like Windy City Wrestling because I used to watch it 
through uh, tape trading because that's how I knew yeah. about Christopher Daniels, which was weird seeing him in a singlet and a mullet. And uh, hair, right? But, but more the mullet than the singlet. So, you know. Yeah, I got a um, I got a box of VHS tapes from my trainer, uh, Steve Boz, and uh, he's having me convert them to digital. I think I get to keep the tapes in exchange. And I know there's a there's a battle of the belts in that box, but I've been like converting all the like um so we got like a bad blood, I got a sting, WCW one. Then of course th these were the ones I was looking forward to was like, you know, <laughs> the VCR recordings. Oh yeah. You know, because like that one is these are the ones I really want to break into, you know. But uh so that's been a fun, been a pretty fun project. And I, but I know there's one, um, Battle of the Belts, I think 2001 in there. So I'm definitely, that's one of those, like, I'm going to sit down and watch it as I, you know, convert it. Oh, yeah. And Steve Oz from, if it's the same one that I'm thinking of, great old school veteran tag specialist. Um, if it's the same one that I'm thinking that tag partners with Hawaiian Lion. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's him. Steve Boz, not Oz. Oh, not Boz. I thought you meant Boz. Because I was going to say Steve Boz. That's a warrior. B O Z, Boz. Oh, man, you done ruined my moment, man. You got excited. You're like, oh, I know that guy. Hold up. You was trained by Navajo Warrior and his partner, Hawaiian Lion. Holy shit. I was about to say, damn, Moo Doggy. Damn. Let's get him on the show and be like. <laughs> I'm sure Boz would still be be a pretty fun guest, though. You know that guy's oh, got yeah. a lot of stories. Yeah. I don't know, shit. Any I mean, of the any of the Midwest vets, they got stories for days. Like uh, I would love more of the Midwesterns, you know. But right now, I'm just glad to have you back, man. Hell yeah! And not just back, you're back with some, some, some go. Yeah. Some with hardware. Some, with some hardware. My man got some new jewelry on his shoulder. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, to circle back to it, I guess like two and a half. You know, I've been wrestling two and a half years, and um, you know, when I won, I got a pretty emotional, of course. <laughs> As you should. You know, it As, all came full circle. Yeah, it's like you know, because like uh, anybody who's listened to the. Um, the FRM, the front row material uh, episode that I was on when I got to talk about leaving the first place I trained at, you know, they, one of those deals where they're like, he ain't going to make it. And I was able to, you know, give him the middle finger and accomplish this and accomplish getting on brunch. I got a lot of fun stuff coming in the fall as well that uh, uh, it's set. It just needs to be announced. And I can't wait to talk about them. Cause like, Super exciting, and it's like it's like that's a lot of I've done a lot of stuff for two and a half years, you know. <laughs> like most most guys are still like scratching clawing or like trying to figure themselves out. But like me, it's like a lot quicker than I thought because like that's never been that's never been my life. It's usually a very slow burn, and not to say this wasn't a slow burn because there's still stuff I'm still learning, and there's still stuff that took ages for me to master. But um. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're still blazing away. Oh, yeah. It's just, but, you know, it's crazy because I would have figured it would have took a lot longer than it did. But, you know, like I said, like, I, I don't want to sit here and sound like I know everything because I don't. 
no, like, no, there's, no. There's, there's, even the most biggest veterans are still learning. I oh, think yeah. for the thing with you is, um, I think you took on a lot of opportunities that that were there. Yes, and, um, and you got the right look. I mean, you're a character. Yeah, that you already got the first thing down, and then second, based on a couple of the a few of the matches I uploaded, um, you're pretty much over. Yeah, know? I try. Um, and I'm, and I'm people, glad. and see, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. You pretty much with your character being a Moon Dog character. You pretty much got the best of both worlds. You pretty much are able to attract the modern crowd and the old school crowd. Yes. Right. Yeah, and, and 90% of the people, like, they love that I'm a moondog. And I'll get the the grizzled vet every now and again going, oh, do you actually, do you watch the actual moondogs? Because you don't, you're not, because, like, I don't, I'm not act the exact moon dog. I'm not going out there, not saying a word. I go out there with a bone. I, I brought back the bone. I, for a while, switched to a flask and a beer every now and again, but then I switched it to back to the bone. But like, you know, I come out with the bone, you know, I wear a flannel, I wear a t-shirt, I wear the bandanas, I wear the glasses. Like it, it's, it, it's like. You're a Monday moon dog. That's what I tell them. I'm like, it's kind of a, it's my own twist. It's a modernized version, which that scares people, especially when you when when you talk about reboots and reruns and stuff like that. When you use the term modernized, people get freak out for no reason before the product is even out there. But you know, but modernized, my own spin, and it's I have the I, I have the look aesthetic. You know, I I added the barking. The I, I added the barking, which the crowd barks with it. You know, I get. I'm going out there and doing my best. This is, you get that one or two guys who are telling you, you gotta, you gotta go right back to that. You know, the, the actual moon dogs, it's like, I incorporate it, but I'm not going to be exactly that. Cause they are coming off the top of the knee. I'm coming off the top of the knee drop. You know, exactly. I'm not saying I'm doing dives and like four fifties or anything. I'm just coming off the top of the knee drop. Nobody mm -hmm. does that. It's so simple too. <laughs> it's a simple move, but like, and then on top of that, yeah. like, your character would be, okay, the Moondogs have a sitcom and they have a son. This yeah. is how his character would be. Modern, yeah. hip, Moondog. And yeah. like, no, you're supposed to be like this. Put the bone in your mouth. Act like this. <laughs> no, stop barking. You're not smart. Son, you're fucking up the king fade. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know it's, and then they got to... <laughs> and then they gotta accept that, like, oh, he's he's his own man. That's her deal. Like, <laughs> swinging back to King of the Hill, it's like, hey, Kill, having to learn a lesson about like, know, comparing his upbringing to Bobby's upbringing. Like, it doesn't have to be the exact same, and Bobby's his own person, you know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I tell you what, that boy just ain't right. It all circles back to King of the Hill. <laughs> You know, that, look, Hank is a prime example of someone who was traumatized by their parents. Okay, yes. that's all it was. Oh yeah, I mean, that's Cotton was a son bitch. Okay, like especially he would give Peggy the most shit, but he likes it because Peggy gives it right back. Hell he yeah. loves that shit. Cotton is basically the redneck Minoru Suzuki on King of the Hill. <laughs> he looks like him too. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 
except Minoru Suzuki got legs. But, you know, he'll come on an episode, start fucking with Hank's wife. He'd be like, Hank wife, you gonna fix me some supper, Hank wife? And she'd be like, <gasps> ready to beat the shit out of him. But Hank's like, no, don't do nothing. I'm, she's looking at him like, be a man, Hank. Oh, yeah. Kill Fitty Man. <laughs> Kill Fitty Man in China, Japan, Mongolia. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Stunning TT Khan. He thinks he's back in Japan. <laughs> oh, my God. Or Vietnam. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That shit was so fucking. And then I think they can have a replacement for Luan, to be honest. Probably not. I think so. Oh, like oh, you think so? Yeah. If they were to do a rebooted Luann, I'd probably go with someone like Peyton List. Mm. She could make a good Luann. You know, it's possible. Yeah. Give or, or another one, if she was, well, I don't know how active she is now, but I'd go with Piper Parabo. She played a movie where she used a southern accent. It was actually pretty hot. Um, <laughs> seriously, it was pretty hot. Like, because it was based. I think the movie was called um, "She Get What She Wants," and it's also yeah. called another movie too, like "Kiss Me I'm French," whatever. It's it's stupid, but only reason I watched it because Piper Parabo played on it, and I thought she was pretty decent and Coyote ugly. But when she played in this movie, that's when I learned she's fucking hot. But <laughs> she used that southern accent, and I was like, "Dang, damn!" <laughs> it just it sounded all corners of hot. Like, <laughs> all four corners. All four corners. I was like, "Oh, like you know." Even I was using the pretend accent. I was like, "Oh, like I just want to grab a lasso and pull you in." Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> turn this romance into a radio yeah <laughs> I don't know it just like I said it, it, is, it was one of those things it was a oh snap Jersey Devil four corners three holes no filter pretty much matter of fact Moondoggy if you ever get a chance, tune into tomorrow night's Thirsty Thunder. A very mm -hmm. old Jersey Devil made a special request, and he even supplied us with a whole bunch of it. A tribute to Adrian Street. Hell yeah. I actually showed that documentary to my parents last night. Oh yeah. We, we are basically the, <laughs> the original gold dust. <laughs> <laughs> the original gold dust. So he provided a whole lot of good footage. And I plan on using most of it. So if you ever get a chance, tune in. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. At least oh, yeah. catch the rerun. Because I got I got uh, practice tomorrow for sure. The rerun, I can send you the rerun. For some reason, Twitch is not saving my reruns. Maybe, really? I don't know what's going on. They don't love me right now, and that's cool. Mm. You know, But I'm going to still do with Twitch because Kick does not provide StreamYard. But when they do... Mm -hmm. Which one was it? Kick? 
Kick. Kick is the new one. Okay. Yeah. Like, kick. Okay. Yeah, like super up. kick. Like super kick where you get in the corner and you see him right. And then next thing you know, you go for him and you be like, right, kick. And then next thing you know, you look at him and then you're like, guess what? Lift kick. And then you just make sure you do leg slap too before you do. And then next thing you know, you're going for a drop kick. And then you got to figure out a way to do it. Both hands on both legs. So you just jump up and you're like, uh, and then you get him in the forehead like a little tap. Yeah. All I'm seeing is League of Legends on kick. See what? Uh, I, I just I jumped on kick just to see what it was, and I, I for some reason it just shot me to the League of Legends page. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's people that use it. Yeah, I mean, everyone's telling me how it is, but I'm gonna stick with Twitch, Twitch for right. the time being. I'm I'm gonna stay loyal to the crew. Lol. It is Twitch. Well, if I ever yeah. get banned, I know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it will get banned. Okay, they, if anything, they be simping hard because you know, look what they allow on their show. You know, this is true. Even though Amarath left and she's on kick now, and that was Twitch's, that was their high-paying woman. They were getting their money off of it, and they lost her. He said, "Kick." The shining wizard of streaming, motherfucker. Now that, that there you go. There, there's your um. If you do switch to kick, there's your uh, streamline right there. The shining wizard of streaming. The shining wizard of streaming, motherfucker. Even though I don't know. So okay, I did the weirdest thing. Tell me if this is weird. So I sent an audio clip to Nissan, right? Because one, I drive a Nissan car. And two, I got a buddy on YouTube who used to do the music videos for Nissan in Japan and that son. And right. I was like, what if we did like an old school Nissan commercial? And I did like the voiceover and I'd be like, when your hands are behind the wheel, you do whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> so maybe if you, if you get rid of the fuck... I think it, it might work. No, nah, they, they could bleep it out. <laughs> I think they could, if they bleep it out, it'll still make it even better. It'll be like straight up. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. You share an engine rev when you, if yeah, it's, exactly. for sensor. Exactly. You know how many people would be making like remixes off of that song? Oh, Trent Reznor yeah. would probably do one and be like, do whatever the fuck you want to do. And be like, yeah. Which that would be pretty cool if Trent Reznor did a remix off of my voice clip saying that. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Ain't nothing wrong with Trent Reznor. No. No, I've actually been... Um, the Nine Inch Nails remix of uh, I'm Afraid of Americans by David Bowie. I've been on such mm. a David Bowie kick. And like that Nine Inch Nails remix of it is awesome. And then, like, I keep listening to um, "The Hand That Feeds" by Nine Inch Nails too. It's Ooh. just the it's the pull. It's like, and I I love the like the disco sound of them. It's like <laughs> it gets you it gets you like just in the moment. And they're so ahead of their time too. Oh like, yeah. Um. So I'd say my favorite uh, remix 
was the one they did of Biggie Smalls, P. Diddy, and Busta Rhymes' track, uh, Victory. And the only reason why I liked that track in the first place, because it was one of the theme songs that Masa Chono used when he was doing NWO Typhoon. I accidentally said M. But, I mean, I'd mark out if Masa Chono had on an MWO shirt. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that's... <laughs> is that the remix with the N-word in it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I was going to say. <laughs> the problem you said it so innocently. <laughs> I, I love the um, Muda's retirement show, or Muda's like, retirement show. He came out to that one. <laughs> Chono, when he came out to commentary, he came out to that version of the song. <laughs> I was like, hell yes. <laughs> like, yes. I don't know why. I'm just like, that one and then the N-W-O, like the o o o like those are, I need those intros before the, the you know. <laughs> I had, um, I've been playing um Japanese wrestling games for the PS2 not too long ago. And I've just been like, because like, I've always wanted to play these games. What, Wrestle Kingdom and all that? Yeah, yeah. I got to play some of Wrestle Kingdom 2, and it's so fun. Yeah, I, I love that. I played as um, Chono in the title match mode, and I got to play as uh, Liger in another mode. I know it's a, it's a, I got an English patch version of it, so for it's mostly translated. But like, um, the only thing that's not translated is like the backstage dialogue, which. When, when there's an update and they do that, oh, I'm playing it. So <laughs> I'm playing it so hard because, like, I'm just dying to know what they're saying, you know. I can't read Japanese. So, uh, oh, well, like, Understandable. Oh, yeah, it's like I really want to know what happens. Because, like, there's a part where when I play the Liger, the Liger one, where you win the Super J Cup and then Keiji Muto just runs out and gets on the microphone and, like, says something and then it leads into more matches. So I was like – what did Mudo say? <laughs> so, like, hey, that's what's been killing me. Like, wait, why, why is Mudo out here? Mudo said, Don't Trump dropped your head <laughs> like a big motherfucker and gave him a shiny wizard. That's what happened. Hell but, yeah. <laughs> so, I've pretty much been doing the same thing, but for me, it's been the N64. So, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. I got Virtual Pro Wrestling number one. Yeah. And, I played that game for six straight hours. And two of those hours was me translating all the wrestlers. Yep. And trying to figure that out. And then having to do the same thing whenever I had to unlock a character. Yeah. That, yeah. That game is running off of an engine that's basically the equivalent to borderline no mercy wrestlemania 2000 compared to wcw versus nwo world tour yeah it is a big fucking difference a big fucking difference like i felt like i was playing no mercy on that game and it was made in 97. oh yeah and they had a smorgasbord of a roster because you got wcw you got nwo you got New Japan, which was called Neo Strong, and then you got Empire Wrestling Federation, which was All Japan, and then you had Independent Local Wrestling, which was Michinoku Pro, and then you had um, Dead or Alive, which was basically WAR, and then you had 
world of universe, which was basically Pancreas. And then you had Legend, which was like 25 legendary wrestlers from that era. Mm. Added on. Like, yeah. this is probably the only video game where you can play with Muhammad Ali, Antonio Inoki, Hulk Hogan, Aja Kong, Manami Toyota, all three Tiger Masks, Black Tiger number two, Wild Pegasus, Pegasus Kid, Power Warrior, Kensuke Sasaki, Great Muda, Keiji Muto, Jado, Ghetto, Road Warriors, so you can have the Hellraisers on the game. There's yeah. no game out there or DLC that you can think of that will come up with that. Right. Yeah. Fuck no. You got oh. Ken Shamrock, Bass Rutten, Gary Albright. You got Masakatsu Funaki, Minoru Suzuki in 90s fucking seven. I'm shocked because uh, like, I looked for, and you said this was Virtual Pro, right? The first Virtual one? Virtual Pro Wrestling 64. The, yeah. first, the first one was on PlayStation. Was it? Oh, our... Was it? Mm-hmm. The very first virtual pro wrestling, because that's what was made WCW versus the world. Okay, and then um, the one on the N64, that's the... the virtual world pro tour? wrestling 64, though. Okay. That was based off a of world tour. But that game, and then the tournaments are so different. Yeah. Like, WCW versus NWO world tour, you're basically fighting everyone on that roster. Whereas every tournament for every championship you're going for, has a different thing. Like WCW on that game only had the world heavyweight title and it was an eight man tournament. And then you faced the hidden character, which was Diamond Dallas Page. And then you got NWO didn't have a belt, but then Neo Strong had their IWGP belt, which was called something else. They only had a heavyweight tag and junior. And you basically fight in a round robin tournament. And yeah. then, except for the tag ones and the junior heavyweight. Then you had to fight the hidden character on Neo Strong, which was Antonio Inoki. And then World of Universe is a eight-man tournament. But in that eight-man tournament, there's no rope, there's no rope break, there's no ring out. You only win by knockout or submission. Hell yeah. And I think Rickerson Gracie's the hidden character for that. I've been uh, that was another one I was playing though was um, not uh, I was playing Virtual Pro two, uh, another one I found an English patch for so I was like oh hell yeah, uh, the only difference was I had to go in and manually change everybody because of course Liger didn't look like Liger, his outfit was in there but he didn't look like Liger he looked like that's because it was it was more so like um copyright friendly right you know? we're not just copyright friendly because it was an all japan game that's why yeah yeah it was an all japan game so they but they, to, the, they they got all of them they got they got yeah, WrestleMania yeah. 2000 on there yeah they got their roster they got i think michinoku pro all japan fmw cuz there's there's actually if you ever check it out there's a dude on youtube who uploaded the whole roster and the outfits of what they wore in case you ever wanted to check that out. Oh, definitely. I got to, um, I played, I chose Sakuraba to, for the story mode. And to be funny, I got, and this is all on YouTube, by the way, I streamed it and uh, the VODs on YouTube. Um, I got, I picked Sakuraba. So I'm like, hell yeah, let's be Sakuraba. Um, and, 
to be funny, of course, you pick your tag partner. I picked Giant Kamala. Giant Kamala. He fucking sucks in that game. He is the worst. And like, and the tag matches were a crapshoot because another thing I didn't know, Sakuraba can only, he doesn't pin. He just goes for submission holds, which is great for singles matches because like, boom, it's done. If it's a tag match, oh, please Kamala, grab him. And Kamala, 9 times out of 10, is fumbling through the ropes before he gets knocked out. And then Stan Hansen and Vader in that game are just, oh, my God. Like, they were the, they were the ones who constantly beat me. Because, like, everybody, everybody else I was able to beat. But, like, it went, and I beat Vader and Hansen a couple times. But, like, by the time I was done, I was like, I felt like I just wrestled an actual match. I need a break. Because <laughs> like, I know with BPW1 on 64, yeah. well, 64, uh, I know on that game they got Vader. Bam Bam Bigelow and Aja Kong as unlockable characters. Oh yeah! I was like, holy shit! <laughs> I gotta play that um, that Joshi PS One game. I forgot what it's called, but like, I when I found out it existed, I'm like, I need to play it. <laughs> you talking about All Japan Women's? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, they were they were the only promotion that came out with video games because they were the big promotion. Like, yeah, JWP didn't come out with any, but. If they were smart, this was what I would have done during that time frame. Because the same time frame that WCW versus NWO World Tour came out, we had the WCW Women's Heavyweight title. And then later on, we had the WCW Women's Cruiserweight title. If they would have kept that division going and put some, like, literally, like, some feeling into that, I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have done a separate game just for Gaia Japan. Because Gaia Japan, I thought, would have been another promotion that would have had their own uh, video game. And they could have used the engine off of WCW versus NWO World Tour or Virtual Pro Wrestling. If they would have done that, that game would have sold like hotcakes. No, absolutely. But uh, they didn't... (laughs) WCW didn't really give a shit about that title, which sucks because, like, and also, it didn't help was they were only bringing they were bringing in the Japanese women, but like that costs that that's not cheap. So like when your division is only predominantly that, and you can only fly them in like maybe three four times a year, it's a little so, rough. So I'll tell you what, as a treat, I'm going to tell you the backstory of what happened after the WCW, and if if I mentioned it. Okay. You, you probably don't remember, but if I mentioned it, uh, but there's a backstory of what happened with the WCW women's and cruiserweight titles. Okay. Um, after you know the working agreement ended, but like I said, oh, well, I'd love to know that. Yeah. If they would have been smart with Gaia Japan, if WCW was, they could have helped marketed them in a video game because it would have been perfect. Because if I would have done it. I would have done to where it would have been Gaia Japan, right? Mm. And then do like VPW, generic versions of the other female promotions, like All Japan Women's. And uh, at the time, we had JWP and LLPW, the Ladies Legend Pro Wrestling. If you would have done just offered them four promotions, or maybe 
Oz Academy, but Oz Academy had Gaia Japan and JWP workers, so it wouldn't have worked. Mm. So if they would have done something like that, and then maybe do like a Legends roster, would have been perfect. Would have been perfect. Or Freelance. Freelance slash Legend. You know. That would have been perfect. But that's just my opinion. But anywho, we're going to go with the first of three matches. And then after we uh, play match number one, then I'll tell you the backstory behind the WCW Women's Heavyweight and Cruiserweight Championships. Oh, my God. 
That was so fun. Whoever, so, whoever huh? that one guy in the crowd is, I like him. The one that's like, yeah, go <laughs> dog, yeah. I think that was Jim. He's a regular uh, in the Milwaukee area. Uh, I actually got my uh, match notebook here. That was – I just had it. Here we go. That was my 146th match. It was at Fourth Wall Wrestling's Wrestling in the Ring – which is probably my favorite flyer for a show. They literally took the Dancing in the Rain old flyer and they photoshopped the wrestler's face on the on the characters with the umbrellas and such. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wrestled Marman on uh, January, February, March, April. You guys have to count my fingers. Uh, April 28th. But, yeah, uh, that was around the time I had just wrestled my trainer, Boz, and then I wrestled Marman, and I think that is what led to vets wanting to work me. Because, like, you know, like, veterans, you know, especially a lot of the Midwest guys are starting to wind down a bit, and they're not going to just wrestle any Tom, Dick, and Harry, especially if, it, especially, God forbid, something bad happens, and, like, they get hurt. Um, so I looked at that match with Marman and the match with Boz as, like, two of my... 
proof is like, hey, he, hey, you know, he can work with vets without hurt hurting them. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it to me, it's the sign of respect, the sign of trust towards me, and I, and I, I look at it super fondly, especially that match with Marman, because I remember, you know, we had fun, and I, I always heard how fun it was to wrestle him, and it was, it was awesome. Like, <laughs> it was. I would wrestle Marman anytime. So I definitely want to uh I definitely want to look back. I think I'm supposed to go back up there September. I gotta double check though and um follow up because uh, I wasn't able I wasn't able to do the August show this month because I'm booked somewhere else that day. Good problem to have, but it was like oh I wish we had teleportation because everybody wants to run the first weekend of the month. There's literally four or five promotions in the Chicago area that run the first Saturday of the month. So it, it imagine if we had teleportation where you can zap in, zap out, zap in, zap out. You, I got, I'd have four or five paydays, you know? <laughs> so, that is true. Look at it business wise and rep wise. I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, I'm, look, I, I'm sitting here thinking like he's actually right. Yeah. He's on to something here. Yeah. To Love that. Yeah, so there was this promotion in Northern Virginia called uh, Nova pro wrestling. Okay. And that's how a lot of guys got discovered that you see now in AEW, like Nyla Rose, who was a regular in D.C. and Northern Virginia. Orange Cassidy was a regular at Nova Pro. Wheeler Utah, yeah, uh, when he was called Jimmy Utah, uh, which I would have preferred over Wheeler Utah. Wheeler. Um, it was. I met Homicide one time at Two Cold Scorpio. Another reason why my left knee is completely fucked is because Jordan Grace took a suicide dive from David Starr and her whole solid body crashed down on my leg. Oh, no. So my leg has been forever fucked up. (laughs) Thank you, Jordan Grace. But then I was able to like sit and chat with Jonathan Gresham for like 20 minutes and we were talking about his history in zero one when he was doing Japanese wrestling over there. And I remember that was what caught my attention about him because at the time he was the NWA Midwest X champion and um, he ended up winning the Ten Nakaichi tournament, which is zero one's junior heavyweight tournament that they do every year. So yeah. because of that, you win the, uh, you win. Uh, so the whole theme of Ten Nakaichi is right. It's a one-night tournament, and everybody has a globe, like kind of like a Dragon Ball, kind of. Yeah. And that represents each member that's in it. And when you win, you pretty much get, like, all the globes and all that. And you also get the championship belt. You also get that as well. Right. Which also guarantees you a a title match for at the time the zero one international junior heavyweight title but now it's merged with the nwa world junior heavyweight title the disputed version because they still their belts are still recognized as nwa titles but under a different uh acronym of nwa mm-hmm. just like i give a different acronym for my nwa titles that, that i have but that's a different story but the heavyweight title, isn't that the AWA title? The zero one heavyweight title? 
the AWA belt, yeah. Uh, and they still got the United National NWA title. They got the NWA Intercontinental Tag Titles. They got the NWA Lightweight Tag Titles. And they have the NWA Unified International Junior Heavyweight and NWA World Junior Heavyweight Double Titles. Because it was originally called the NWA UPW 01 junior title because it was a working agreement and matter of fact spanky brian kendrick was the first champion yeah yeah so he had that belt and then i think he lost it to tatsuhito taikawa and then yeah then it was called the awa junior title because they had the working agreement with the awa but they were still using nwa acronym belts but called it awa which was so crazy and then they dropped the AWA, went back to NWA, but created their own acronym of NWA once the uh, whole dispute with Craig Classic happened over the World Junior title. Yeah. So, uh, that was a big deal at the time in the NWA. It was probably the only thing that sh- that rattled the NWA as being interesting uh, because of NWA Florida having all the belts. Yeah, the Almighty Sheik, who was the first wrestler, in my opinion, to have both NWA and AWA recognized world titles. Mm-hmm. And Craig Classic, NWA Florida had the World Junior Heavyweight, the Dark City Fight Club, where NWA Florida had the world tag titles. So, yeah, it was a big deal. Then a whole big dispute happened, and they all forfeited their belts. <laughs> But Craig kept his physical one and took it with him to Japan where he lived there for two years. So Zero One's still around. Zero One is still around despite the situation going on with a Shinjiro Otani. Yeah. Um, so Zero One has been doing a lot of merger shows with promotions like uh, Big Japan and 2AW, which was originally the old Kaintai Dojo. Yeah. Which is uh, now run by Kengo Mashimo. So they've been doing like a lot of um, joint shows to help each other out. We got a zero one USA in the uh, Southern Illinois area. Yeah, Jonathan Gresham's their former champion. <laughs> I just yeah. texted, uh, just texting some guys because like you brought that up. I was like, do they? But I don't think they do anything with zero one in Japan. Nah, they. So at one point they had. You know, zero one USA, and they were supposed to do zero one in Alaska, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, talking about doing a zero one in uh, Canada, but that didn't work out because they were going to do zero one Canada with a Canadian independent promotion UWA, which that didn't work out because it turned into Toruman Canada. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm looking up zero. I'm, I feel like when I used to like binge listen to all these different podcasts, I remember uh, people talking about like zero one having different schools or something in uh, all around the world. So I imagine that's how they were founded. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. They 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 were short term and they never lasted. Okay. Yeah, they never really lasted. Like they did zero one New Zealand, which that didn't work out because New Japan was like, we're taking New Zealand. I was gonna so, say that's wasn't it wasn't that where uh, Fale got got a start or Fale, yeah, bad luck Fale. Um, 
and not even yeah, bad luck Fale. And then they had this one guy, uh, Dylan James, who was part of Zero One. He was their world heavyweight champion, but then he got blackballed because of a scandal that happened with female wrestler Yuhi. Jesus, who was pretty much jailbait. Jesus. Well, compared to him, she was like literally fresh out of high school because she started out in high school and then she still wrestled for zero one when she graduated and then started wrestling for stardom. And then all of a sudden she retired. I haven't heard anything new about her, but she could have been a bigger star had she would have stayed in stardom. Because she had it. She had the look. She had the attitude, and it showed in her wrestling because she was trained by Ikudo Hidaka. Um, she really played that Rudo style really well until she started being more of a baby face once she got to stardom. Because let's be honest, you look at someone like Yuhi, if you ever Google it on the Google machine, as Taz would say, you look her up and it's like, okay, she has the badass look, but I couldn't take her seriously as a heel. Right. Like, that's the look she had. But she was so good. At this. She was basically looked at as the second coming of Io Shirai because they were about the same age when they both debuted in pro wrestling. Like, I think Io was only like 14 or 15 when she debuted. Jesus, there's a couple different Zero One USAs. I'm trying to find the one that, that, that I know about. Yeah, because I know one of them was the old NWA Midwest. Promotion. That one. That was the one I found. But, like, uh, the one I'm thinking of is um... – oh, wait, never mind. Hold on. What's this? Oh, God damn it. I love her just researching mid-podcast. It's fun. NWA Supreme in Montoon, Illinois. Oh, yeah, there it is, NWA Midwest. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, you're correct. Cage match has two listings for two different promotions, but I think they're the same. <laughs> I think they're the same promotion. I think they're the same. Yeah, they're the same. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised that Zero One. It's crazy because Zero One lasted longer than WCW and ECW combined. Post NWA split. Oh shit. Yeah, Zero One got started in 2000 when Shinya Hashimoto left. New Japan to start his own promotion with Naoya Ogawa. That's what, and it was originally part of the NWA banner. Little, little fun fact. Yeah. I mean, well, oh yeah, you know, circling back, speaking of stuff, weren't you going to tell me the the whole like uh, the women's thing? Yeah, women's title. I don't yeah. about it. Um, oh, yeah. We just we got onto the topic of zero one and all that, and it, yeah. it just kind of snowballed from there. It just snow, yeah, you know, you know how I'm about wrestling. <laughs> the passion comes out, but uh, anywho, so what happened with once WCW kind of dismissed it, Gaia Japan basically took the titles because at the time Gaia Japan did not have a women's title and did not have you know, a junior title like most promotions at the time. Only difference is in Japan's women division, when they say a junior champion, they don't mean by your weight. They mean by your age. Okay. Whereas WCW, theirs was their cruiserweight 
women's title was based on the weight limit. Like, really? The same women, with the exception of maybe one or two, were in both tournaments in WCW. Yeah. They're all cruiserweights, now that I think about it, other than Aja Kong and Volcano. <laughs> like, but, but they were all Japan. They weren't part of Gaia. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they... So WCW brought in because Akira Hokudo, who was not only a big name in all Japan, but when she did the match at World War Three, she was part of all Japan. When no, no, there were she was part guy in Japan. Never mind, because Mayumi Ozaki was there too, because she had Oz Academy as a faction, but not a promotion yet. But basically, they were brought in going up against all Japan wrestlers at World War III. And then Akira Hokuto went over to Gaia Japan and basically brought along the recently, I guess, graduated women from Gaia Japan along with some of the veterans because you also had some of the veterans from all Japan women's that went over to Gaia too, but you had the juniors like Sonoko Kato and you had Toshie Uematsu, uh, Meiko Satomura, who people see on WWE. Yeah. You know, you pretty much had those juniors. And then you also had Sugar Sato, who was another junior. And then you also had some of the veterans from Gaia, like Kaoru, who just retired this past year. Um, she was part of the tournament for both heavyweight and cruiser. But basically, Gaia Japan used those belts as the equivalent. And then eventually they had the 3AW heavyweight title, which it was called the heavyweight title at the time, which by 3AW meaning all Asian athletics. I think it's all Asian athletics wrestling something. Mm -hmm. Um, So they finally had their own heavyweight title and they finally had their own tag titles, which was called the 3AW light. No, either lightweight or junior heavyweight women's titles. But when they mean by junior, they mean the younger wrestlers. Until they later on called it the singles and tag team titles. But they looked at the cruiserweight title as more as the equivalent to New Japan's Young Lions division. Yeah. It was only for the junior females, the young, younger females that are still branching out. So Toshie Uematsu, who was the first champion that wanted being Malaya Hosaka on main event, she never had a title defense. She literally went straight back with the belt to Japan because their working agreement was so short-lived. So mm-hmm. she ended up defending it in Gaia, Japan. And then they did a super show where it was Gaia, Japan, and all Japan women's. And at the time, their top junior was uh, what was her name because she was basically the ace of neo japan but she started out in all japan women's but i forget i'll probably remember but it's she was the second champion that won the belt Mm. when they did a super show and she was defending it mostly in all Japan against their women's division. Yeah. And then eventually when they did another Gaia Super Show, she defended it against Sugar Sato and lost. And Sugar Sato at that event wore 
Mayumi Ozaki's red outfit that she wore at World War III the year before. Mm. Because Sugar Sato was basically the first protege of Mayumi Ozaki at the time when she started the Oz Academy faction. So when that happened, the belt retired because they pretty much cut ties with WCW. Because yeah. WCW closed down by the time this happened. So then you had the WCW Women's Heavyweight title, which lasted longer because Akira Hokuto was defending it in America and all that. But then once the working agreement was over, that belt was still being defended in Gaia, Japan yeah. by Akira Hokuto. And they were going to unify that belt with the 3AW Heavyweight title. But Hokuto got injured. Mm. So then Devil Masami ended up taking the place being the interim champion to fill in for Akira Okudo and defeated uh, Chigusa Nagayo who was playing her zero character and unified both titles thus sealing the end of the WCW women's heavyweight title and uh, also I remember the second women's cruiserweight champion that beat Uematsu was uh, Yoshiko uh, Tamura from uh, All Japan Women's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think now she's like a uh, therapist, licensed therapist. God, can you imagine a wrestler being your therapist? <laughs> I've been aged a bit. Still, still look youthful. Man, I swear. That's why I be loving these Asian women. When they say Asian don't raisin, they didn't lie. I love uh, anytime we talk about like Japanese wrestling, I go through like my hard drive to see what all I have, <laughs> and I mean, uh, I'm actually shocked I don't have much Joshi. I need to get some more. So most of the stuff I've gotten, I mostly got stuff on DVD. Like yeah. I, I am a huge guy in Japan, Mark, because it is kind of like if WCW had a woman's promotion, this is how it'd be booked, but except better. Um, I literally got like the, the big, all the big shows, and I got their last pay per view they did, and I got the Crush Gals retirement match, and Akira Hokuto's retirement match. I got all of that. <laughs> Goose and the Gallo's retirement match, which was the um, was basically the last Gaia show. But then she still was producing wrestling shows because she still had a contract. So she had it produced under her Marvels label because that's her singing label in Japan. Yeah. And that was pretty much that was highlighted by the return of Sonoko Kado from her two-year-long absence from knee surgery. Mm -hmm. The Marvel shows were on point. Like, my favorite one was Devil Masami's retirement show, and she passed the torch to uh, Toshie Uematsu, who I think is probably the most underrated women's workers of her size in terms of being a very technical sound wrestler. And she's still hot at age 50. Hot damn. Hot damn. I know, right? I mean, I, I even said it in Japanese on uh, on Facebook. I'd marry you, Uematsu-san. <laughs> and her response was, 
but you're so far away. I don't know what the heart would want. The heart will want them cheeks, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Like, <laughs> that woman is still in the best shape of her life, you know? But she should have been someone that could have been the ace of Gaia if they'd done it right. But instead, she was pretty much part of, I would say, equivalent-wise, modern-day equivalency. Probably the FTR of women's tag teams when she did King of Tag Team with Ron Yu Yu, who was like a Filipino born Japanese from Osaka, Japan. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Drowning on dry land and just choking on spit. <laughs> sorry, the, the wrestling knowledge was flowing. The, wrestling, the info dump of wrestling. I know, right? What up, Liam? Hey, Liam. What's up, Liam? Hey, Liam, you want to hop in? Long time no talk. Long time no talk, man. See? Get the band back together for another night. Bring out your Kenny Omega impersonation. Oh. <laughs> this dude got people at my job doing his Kenny Omega impersonation. It's so I haven't heard it. I got to hear it now. <laughs> he said, oh, gosh. Yes, Liam, get your ass on, man. You ain't doing nothing. But, um... Yeah, Liam, Liam will do this Kenny Omega impersonation, and he used to do it on FRM. And I think Freeland got mad from it because you know he loves him. Oh, he loves him Kenny some Kenny, Omega. right? He loves Kenny Omega more than Kenny Omega loves Ibushi. He said, No way, I'm busy. Well, fine, but yeah, a typical Liam Savage impersonation, he'd be like, Oh, it's so delightful when I'm in the ring. Then I use my knee for a V-trigger. And then another V-trigger. And then I go, bang, V-trigger. You know? <laughs> I can hear it in his voice as you yeah. say it like that, too. And you so. know, this, what I'm about to say is even more fucked up. So I was at a, uh, I was at a uh, West Coast area round one, which is basically the Japanese version of David Buster's, but 10 times better. Okay. So we got one in my hometown of Woodbridge, right? Yeah. But it's only one story, one area in, in the section of a mall. It don't even tap to a David Buster's. The one I went to at this spot had three levels. You had level one, video games. Level two, karaoke. And then you had level three, bowling. Yeah. Bowling. But it was big as fucking shit. And then on top of that, they had AEW Fight Forever. Really? So I was playing with Kenny Omega. And it's the same engine as Def Jam Vendetta that was used on the THQ games that was originally supposed to have been WCW Mayhem 2, which never worked out because WCW declared bankruptcy and said, buy me, Vince. And Vince was like, yeah, that's good shit. But anywho. I actually just watched that um, Dark Side episode earlier, the Bash at the Beach one, and they talked about, like, at, towards the end, like, WCW getting bought, so funny mention that. I haven't seen that episode yet, but I've heard some good reviews about it. Oh, yeah, that's good. Definitely. But, uh, 
it's been a depressing season, so it's nice to be able to breathe and kind of like, oh, okay, this is it's interesting. It's not like oh, and he died at the end, you know. That's hard. <laughs> I think they're doing that because I think they're revving us up for the Marty Janetti episode. Yes, I think that Marty Janetti is going to be so crazy to where we're going to catch a contact of all the shit that he bragged about. Yeah, I yeah. think we're all. Even the most sober person in the room watching is going to get high off of, watch, off of that episode. <laughs> because I'm just preparing to brace myself for all the crazy Marty Janetti stories. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm looking forward to. I still remember the uh, Mikey Whipwreck told that story on the farm about like Marty Janetti jumping in the dumpster. He said, the dumpster. <laughs> I think he jumped in a dumpster or something. I gotta binge those again. Um, I have a playlist on Spotify. You might be able to find it if you look up FRM or Front Row Material or two. But I, I I love the early ones where it's yes uh, Mikey and Jerry. But my oh. favorite episode is probably Detachable Penis at number one. Yeah, and then number two, the Mickey Mouse one with Mikey Whipwreck doing Mickey Mouse, and he's like. Jerry's like, could my wife has a Mickey Mouse watch. He's like, maybe you can like do a voiceover. He's like, wake up, pimp. Huh? Get your lazy ass up. And I'm like, huh? And then I, they, he's like, keep going, keep going. Then he's like, hey, Pam, you lazy mother beep beep. He's like, no, not all that. I, I, remember, I I've told the the Rosenthal story. To a couple locker rooms, <laughs> when uh, the the one with um, when Ron Simmons was late, missed a, a shot for ECW, and then the next day he shows up late because he had to drive, he couldn't fly, because <laughs> like um, Heyman would get you on bereavement fr- flights to get cheaper airfare, <laughs> so they wouldn't let Ron Simmons on because uh, the name was listed as Rosenthal. <laughs> And when uh, when they ask, oh, why'd you miss your flight? And Ross goes, do I look like a Rosenthal to you? <laughs> like, give me something to work with, man. <laughs> I heard it from Chris Jericho, and I laughed because uh, Jericho did like a spot-on impersonation of Ron Simmons. I was like, dang, Jericho, that was pretty accurate coming from someone like Chris Jericho, you know. I think like, I... Uh, <laughs> When I did the, um, uh, what's it called? Wrestling Empire. It was the, the MDK game when I did the FRM universe. <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> I don't know nothing about it. I get along with both of them, all right? <laughs> but anyway. Uh, I mean, look, I, I look at it like this. It is what it is. I've been busy with wrestling. <laughs> so I've, been, like, I've been busy with podcasting. And, and sweet talking Asian moves and slaving away at F nine to five, you know that's, that's yeah, and then slave. streaming myself. What in the hell? I mean, that's how I be looking sometimes. Oh, there's a toilet in the background. I mean, what is that from? Golden Boy. It's an anime. Well, I, I would assume. Look at him. <laughs> he, he, For he some got, reason, I thought you were going to say Sailor Moon. He got caught fantasizing about his boss and his balls. Oh, his, oh boss. His boss. His <laughs> boss was this big breasted blonde haired chick. And of course. he like he got caught like fantasizing on the toilet 
and she's like another pervert, and he's like, "No, my queen, forgive me." That's what that. Colin's digging his hand, as they say. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like you literally it, in this case, if you shake it more than seven minutes, then you're playing with it. So the limit is seven. So I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I mean, shake it seven times. I don't know why. Oh, I was going to say seven minutes. <laughs> Who's missing for seven minutes? I was shooting too hard, as you can see. <laughs> He's a shooter. Yeah, I shot. <laughs> <laughs> that oh was God. at the that was at the round one I was talking about. That's pretty badass. Hell yeah! And the whole time I was playing AEW Fight Forever, I was copying uh, Liam's Kenny Omega. I was like, "Oh, just dropped you on your head. You're going down, motherfucker! Bang! You're getting the V trigger. Bang! You're getting a drop kick. Ooh, you're gonna get." Crushing Kotaru. Oh, Snapdragon. Oh, so delightful. So decadent. Bang. Oh, my God. I hope if I ever wrestle Kenny Omega, like I, and if he calls matches like that, I'm going to start laughing hysterically and then I'm going to have to tell him why. <laughs> I got a friend named Mike Thunder. I got friends who, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they do pretty good impersonations of you. Yeah. Well, what are they saying? Oh, no. <laughs> no I got the impression. Look, I'll say this. I'll say this. If it gives me a chance to have a banner on my podcast that say Mike Thunder is all elite, damn right. <laughs> oh. I can see the Photoshop. Someone make it. That'd be funny. I know, right? Yeah. So, anywho. We got the second match we got to post, dog. Yeah. Because this one, I was actually digging the interest for some reason. I don't know why. But let's check it out. I did not sign up for a match with this freak. <laughs> Me and Chris Mercer supposed to have a match tonight. Where's he at? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it looks like he ate it. <laughs> Typical dog ate my homework. <laughs> so he's not showing up, huh? What dog has to keep from? Oh, no. I Alright, guys, hey, hey. Anybody want to see me whip this kid's ass? Education now. How do you treat a dog by Tyler Bodine with doggy treats? With a dog bone or a cowbell, a lasso? What do you do with a guy like this? Hooting and hollering everywhere, threatening people with a dog bone. Bodine almost knocked uh, his lights out right there, even before we can get the physicality rolling. Sit, sit, sit. Is this where you pet him on top of his head? What are you gonna do next? Come on, man. Come on. 
This rune dog's not playing around. What language is that? He just poked him in the eye. What was that about? This dog doesn't play nice. This dog might have rabies. When's the last time this dog was given a bath? Rumble is delivering discus lariats like endless doggy treats. Odin can't fight out of the corner. Moondog Murray, too strong. This match could determine future pairings for the eventual PWX World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. It would be amazing if Moondog Murray could defeat Tyler Bodine and eventually add his name to the list of potential challengers in that tournament. Bodine with a big win on Jordan Byers in singles action with a discus Larry last month in singles competition. For now, must face Moondog Murray instead of his intended opponent from the International Alliance, Chris Wildcard Mercer, who apparently brought a note courtesy of a dog. And Moondog Murray has been a bad dog and is being punished. This dog has used the facility several times outside on the grass. On his favorite flower or fire extinguisher. His favorite plant or sprinkler. Wow, that was a heck of a way to bring your opponent back in the ring. Tyler Bodine. Quick and crafty with his kicks here tonight. Now it's Moondog Murray stealing the idea for himself. Trying to ground the heavyweight fortress. Nice power, Bodine. Bodine was kicked out of the International Alliance earlier this year. Was on a bit of a losing streak as he was trying to contend for several titles. But cheap shots, interferences, distractions, and Bodine was robbed out of victories. Wants to finish the year on a positive note. And this is final match this year in PWX. There are critical errors that Tyler Bodine made over the course of this year. He trusted the wrong people, and now he knows he's on his own. He can't rely on others to fight battles for him. He must stand up to the evil and fight it head on. Moondog Murray showing great speed and acceleration with a splash of the corner. And again. Murray in red with a blue jean ripped cutoffs. Oh, he split him down in his debut. Will Moondog Murray surprise everyone? There's the salute, the headbutt. Bonane is grounded. Oh, so close. Two and a half. Yes. That's one and a half. 
If you join the wrong crew, and you know they're not your friends, you gotta change your strategy. You gotta change your perspective. And how do you catch somebody off guard? Well, that was one way, playing possum and then dropping. Moondog Murray, first with the jawbreaker, and then he really scrambled the brains with that time. We might be a discus lariat away from seeing Moondog Murray's demise right now. Oh, wow, through to the head. What's left of the Moondog after that? Scooping slam. And the American Outlaw with the horns up. High flying leg drop. Why did Murray kick out? That was, a, that was a shock to me. Most men wouldn't kick out of that. Moondog Murray. He's an animal. But can an animal outlast an outlaw in PWX? Murray absorbing abuse in the corner. Not very good stand-up defense for Murray at this moment. He accelerated, but he telegraphed it. Murray missed. Murray made Bodine miss. He almost got disqualified for using that bone. There it is. Discus Lariat. Move on, Murray. We <laughs> cheated, man. Oh my god! So um, I'm glad that I was muted, and I felt like I was in the crowd too. That's why I love the Indies. I can't do big crowds anymore. Yeah, I used to do big crowds like the WWE shows, and I was actually at the first AEW show that was in DC. Yeah, but. I can't do that shit no more. Yeah. It really, fuck, really fucks with my anxiety. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot. Um, so, I guess uh, you open a whole can of words with that one. So, um, I mean, we're very relatable on that. <laughs> so, hey, let me close this real quick. So, that was my 46th match. And it was one of my, let's see. It was probably my second singles match after I left um, the, my first trainer. My first trainer, he ran weekly, but he never let you wrestle outside of him because he like, would throw on all these false 
pretenses saying, oh, the Indies are bad. They're all shit. I, if you stay with me, I'll get you a, to try out a WWE, which is bullshit, you know. But and I and I, I saw that right away and was like, bye. Um, I learned a lesson with that one because, um, you know, I was just integrating into just you know Chicago style wrestling and uh, their training, and then you know just the uh, the scene in general, and. That's when I learned, I was like, okay, I want to try to get as many shows as I can, you know, just so I can get experience, helps out the ring, or pay my dues, that sort of deal. I was so, especially by that time, I was like, I'm going to pay dues, we're going to do this right. That promotion had a big falling out with a lot of the guys who were training at CSW. They could, um, There used to be like some kind of relationship, I think somebody booked for them for a while, and then um, that's how like the CSW tie-in came in. Um, at least, at least with the school, like the trainees at the school getting a, a place to wrestle at, there's a big falling out. There are some allegations about the guy who runs it. Um, and I did, of course, I never know this till afterward. Um, that CSW was the night before it was on a Friday. The show was, that show was on a Saturday. Uh, I go up to a couple guys and they all looked at me in horror when I told them I got booked for that place. And they're like, Oh no. I'm like, what? He goes, listen, we're not telling you to cancel. We're not telling you to no show, but just so you know, that's not the place to be. I'm like, okay. So then I go there and I had just, and seeing how CSW runs and works, especially under um, Jason Hades and like his very, he's very meticulous and how the show, how it's presented, how the show runs and such. And then also seeing, um, the, the feeder system for CSW and working in wrestling there. This was the shit. This was a shit fed. This place. Um, and like I said, there are allegations about the owner. And of course I found out till way later. Um, I didn't even find out right away. They didn't tell me right away. I, I found out after like, like a year after that. And then I was like, Oh, awesome. Um, so, I wrestled that match and then it, it was my first time as a heel. And, you know, I, looking back, I could see like something there, you know, I, I'm more comfortable as a face, you know, that's how I mostly work. But like, I'm always so, I, I, I always feel like I could do more as a heel and I'm always so critical of my heel work. But like watching that, I could tell I was like, okay, there's something there, but I was so green. You know, I'm still green, but like I was, that was great. I was super, I was trying, I was try harding the whole thing. I was like, holy shit. And then of course, if you noticed, I was grunting and not talking at first. That was again, the guy, the booker being an old, old school Moondog fan was like, oh, I need you to be Moondog, a Moondog. Don't talk this, that, and the other. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try at the time. Now, if someone tells me that, I'm going to like, no, nah. and explain and explain to them. What I explained, what I explained earlier was like it's a modernized version. It's my version of Moondogs. Um, but that what the lesson for that show was: research, talk to people, hit people up. If you see a friend and who is wrestling there, if I see friends there, okay, I hit up my I hit up the friend and go, hey, how's this promotion? They give me the the gist of it and go from there, and then. Um, you know, and you know, and every sometimes you can't avoid um, being on shit feds or being on 
incidences like recently with me where there was things promised that didn't get right away anyway. But, um, you know, like promoters running out and that sort of deal. You know, you can't avoid it. It's going to happen here and there, but you can condense it to every blue moon, which I'm proud to say I have because that, that recent, recent events that happened is the first time this ever happened. And I'm being so, and the reason I'm being so um, cryptic about it is because the guy is running around Sue happy. Does he have a case? Hell no. But just, I'm not going to light the fire for that. Um, but down the road, I'm sure I'll tell that story in full detail <laughs> once he calms the fuck down. But for now, he's all like, oh, you know, being a dickhead, you know, but, you know, it's as far as I can go into that. But yeah, so wrestling is not, uh, I forgot what it's called. There's a saying where it's like, it's not all apple pie, that sort of deal, but you know. It's not sunshine and rainbows. Yes, no, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's wanting to go home immediately. <laughs> wanting to, wanting to uh, find an adult and go home. You know? but, I mean, humble I mean, beginnings is um, put it lightly for me. Uh, <laughs> you know. If only Ayatollah Thunder was here right now and you said the word humble. <laughs> he would have came after you. Oh, yeah, you missed out on He debuted it on the Iron Sheep Memorial episode. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah. He, he, Recipe he, sheet, it, it was just a one time. It was a one and done. You know, he, he came out with his, you know, head thing on and, you know. The amount of camel clutches. And the weeks following his death, I've seen on shows, is crazy. Well, Ayatollah Thunder's finisher is called the Camel Toe Clutch. The Camel. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> hey, I'm just the messenger. I don't know, bro. I'm that. just saying, you know, I'm just the I'm messenger. Just like, I'm Mike Thunder, and that's all, folks. Mike. <laughs> I can't speak on DJ Mike's on who's all the way in Japan. I can't speak on Ayatollah Thunder when he's, you know, coming back from his trips from Bahrain and all that, you know? Yeah. That's not my fault. It's not my fault. They said that's not my sauce. I was like, no. It's not my sauce either. It ain't my fault. It ain't my sauce. No. I don't want it, man. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> like y'all, y'all talk to Ayatollah Thunder about that. Don't come at me, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He makes the ladies rain in Bahrain. He is <laughs> the Ayatollah Thunder. <laughs> the Ayatollah. I don't know. It was just something career that night. Jersey Devils on. We were both live. We were coming up with both crazy ideas and. It literally just popped mid-episode and, you know, it worked. Yeah, it's just, you know, bullshit amongst friends, you know, it just happens. That's what makes it so fun. You know, by the way, for you to be a dog character, what the fuck is up with you having two cats, man? What was it? Three. Three now? No, there's always been three. Sissy, Sissy, Klein, and Boo Kitty. See, I don't remember Sissy and Boo Kitty. I don't remember. Klein, well, but Klein never really comes in here, but Boo and Sissy all the time. Yeah, they hop up on the chair while I'm streaming. I remember Sissy. I was like, that's, you know, <laughs> racist for naming that cat. Since. 
I remember that. Sit, sit. <laughs> and then I remember you had like a dis- you. What was it? Was that a night you mentioned about your black stepdad? I think there was a uh, what was what was it the what do you call that the after dark after dark yeah it was an after dark I, I was very intoxicated <laughs> we all were <laughs> we were all very intoxicated we were laughing and for some reason I brought up the nationality of my stepdad and I think it was because of that I think it was just something in the life it's been a running fucking gag ever since yeah because you was like. I understand where you're coming from, Mike, because I have a black stepdad. <laughs> you said it. Things I would never say with a clear mind. You said it with such passion, though. <laughs> Things I would never say, especially now. <laughs> so before anybody comes at me. I felt for that shit. I'm like, I support this. Mike's... <laughs> Brought a tear to my eye from laughing so hard. Oh my god! Oh man, that was those were some epic episodes. Oh my gosh! If I would have if I would have uploaded all the MW After Darks that we did after a show, I would have been canceled. Yeah, we're all canceled. We're all going. <laughs> we're and, all and packing not, it up. And we're not going. even canceled in a bad way. I'd be like Howard Stern would probably try and cancel me because of one of them. <laughs> I'm like Howard. I'm not trying to one up you. You got me beat. You have hair. <laughs> ba- band on Twitch and off to kick we go. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. That's if anything, I would have been like Howard. I'm just trying to be like you, man. You've been my inspiration since I was a kid. Late night watching you on the E Network. When I shouldn't have been. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a, that's how it always is as a kid. You watch shit, you know. For me, it was South Park. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be watching. Yeah, it. it was South, South Park and Family Guy. Beavis and Butthead, oh, especially yeah. Beavis and Butthead. Yo, I'll say straight up, pops, you a OG because he'd be the one that'd be the lookout guy. Because mom was like, "You're not watching that shit." But <laughs> my dad would be the lookout guy, saying, "Stop laughing so hard." Your mom will hear you. I can't save you all the time. So I'm like, try a little bit. So I'm like, what are you watching? Oh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> but it, <laughs> hey, he was the MVP for that. I'll give him that. Oh, I'll yeah. give him that. He was the MVP. Pops, you were the MVP, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just too hilarious that. Looking back at it now as an adult, especially as I'm getting closer to my 40s, damn. Uh, it just really made me realize how you remember those key moments just from what we're reminiscing about. Man, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing, but it's mind-blowing, but at the same time, so disheartening. Damn. Are you getting older? You know what? Look. Only I can say that. You ain't supposed to say it, you doggy. It was, uh, it was, uh, I'm not looking forward to my 30s. I'm five no, years there. The 30s are fun as hell. Not are they? Me. All right. 
Hell yeah, because you know why? Because you're doing everything in your 20s, but you're thinking about it before you do it. <laughs> you're thinking smarter. <laughs> you're doing the exact same shit in your 20s, but you're thinking of a more smarter route, but it's the same outcome. <laughs> same outcome. Like, seriously. Yes. It, it is. Your 30s will be, trust me, your 30s will be great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you'll notice obvious changes, but there'll be certain things that you'll just be at your peak of, and it's just unreal, you know? I don't I just, know. I just popped my neck, and it made the loudest crunch. <laughs> oh, that's been, on the, that's been me since shit, younger than you, man. God. You ever been, you ever, like, you know, do one of these? And like yawn, and your sternum just pops. Yes, all the time. And every time it happens, it scares the hell out of me for a split second because I'm thinking I'm dying. Oh, it's a, it's okay. That's normal. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the first thing that comes to mind. Right now, this sounds weird, but it's so true. So you remember the Hitman Heart Wrestling with Shadows documentary? Yes. So you remember the story he mentioned about how he broke his sternum against Dino Bravo? Yeah. I don't know why any chest injury I've had especially the real fatal one I had where I blacked out. But um, every time I hear that sternum pop, I think of when Bret Hart broke his sternum in that house show against Dino Bravo. And it was right when he was, you know, getting ready to go singles. But technically, Bret Hart's singles run was supposed to happen a bit early had it not been for that uh, sternum injury. Yeah, I gotta. I've been reading um, wrestling books again. I gotta. That's what. That's another book I gotta reread. I think I've read that two or three times as a fan. That when I was strictly a fan, so I definitely gotta read it now as a, as a wrestler. I'm like, well, what, <laughs> I was about to say, what you're not a fan now? No, I'm still. Oh yeah, I'm still a fan. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, that's. I, I gotta remember how to word that. Like when I was strictly a fan. Be like, you don't like the hit mine. <laughs> That's the book there is, man. You'd be shocked how many wrestlers don't like wrestling and don't watch it. It's and that I, I look at it like they're crazy. I'm like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you watch at least like you don't gotta watch the current stuff. Like, watch I'm something. Gonna, you know? I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. I when you go to work, right? You go to work and you do your thing, right? Yeah. Right. You don't want to go home and watch what you've been working on. True. True. That's all it is. Yeah. Like when I get off work, I don't want to talk about work. Yeah. I don't even want to hear about work. If you ask me how my day was, it could be the most shittiest day. It could be the most stressful day. And I'll say, work was all right. It was all right. Yeah. When really it was, it's my way of saying, I don't want to fucking talk about work. <laughs> Leave work at work. Yeah. I'm home. Okay. If I had a wife or a significant other and she would have like came home and asked me how it was work, I'd be like, work was work. Now let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was then, this is now, baby. <laughs> yeah. Baby. Be like, and look, I even pull off the Mike Tyson accent and be like, you know what time it is. Be like, you know what time it is. It's battle time. We we gonna pop ugly, you know. 
<laughs> oh my god. Be like, don't fight me. Just relax. Come on, come, come in. Let me grab your toes. I was like, imagine Mike Tyson dirty talking. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd be like, the whole time, he'd be like, this little piggy went to the market. Oh my god. <laughs> this little piggy went to the store. Mm. This little piggy about to get fucked by Mike Tyson's gap, too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I am out of this universe right now. It's all good. I'm just break look, I'm just dropping blue thunder bombs right now. I actually started I started doing John Cena's fucking Well yeah, you saw the match with Man. I hit it. Yeah, Boom. the portal bomb. Yeah. yeah. I, I always love um so after that clip of uh Chris Van Vliet and Santino went viral of him talking about how he made John Cena pop on on screen. Literally ever since it it's called John Chena. <laughs> it's it's it you call him John Chena. So like when I'm putting together a match with a guy, I literally just say John Chena and they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> John, John Chena, boom. <laughs> do, 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 do. Let me stop. I can't, remember, I can't stand that fucking thing. Man. It's it's uh, it, that's the worst part. It's like it's annoying, but damn it, it's catchy. Yeah, that's what makes it so annoying. <laughs> it's catchy, and they overkill it. And now, sometimes, it, look, we'd be at work sometimes. It'd be like, duh, 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 duh. and I'm like, I fucking hate y'all. Every now and again, I'll actually do an, uh, an attitude adjustment, and I can't help myself. I do this, and the crowd laughs. <laughs> and then you, people in the crowd just start laughing. <laughs> hey, man, look, a pop is a pop. So, if I, you know, like, I never would have thought I'd have like John Cena moves, and, cause like I do. Um, what was another one? I don't know. If, like I, I know he did the salute. But, like I'll do this. I'll, no, I don't do that. I'll, I'll do the salute with the fucking like fallen headbutt and such. But um, I mean, that's oh, the typical though. Yeah, freaking um, I do the great Muda elbow where I just swing my fucking arms around. Shining <laughs> elbow. Yeah. If you do the shiny elbow or the flashing elbow, it was whichever one the, he called it. Um, but see, if you do it, I'm not thinking of KJ Muda. I'm thinking yeah. of like you doing redneck kung fu. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you doing some boon chew shit, like some Rex Kwon Do. Oh, yeah. It works. It's, it's one of the weird shit where it just works. <laughs> Be like every time, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. Redneck Kung Fu, Moon Doggy. <laughs> Just take karate classes. Show up with some American flags, baggies on. So it's a whole gi. Yeah, with the whole gi, the American flag gi. Like in those 1990s movies where it's like, like you know he's going to win because he's got American flag gi on. Hell yeah. yeah. It's a dead giveaway. Like as soon as it's a movie and they show something America... America. Well, I'll take that back. Rocky Four. Rocky Four. Rocky. Pa Apollo died in the red, white, and blue trunks. He died for America. <laughs> hey, that's the look. That's like the Medal of Honor. Oh yeah. Apollo Creed dying in the ring, and the American flag trunks. That's the mark of honor. 
Like he 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 basically solidified himself as a legend. But anywho, <laughs> but yeah, any scene where they got the American flag, anything that's got to do with it, it's all like Donkey Kong. Hell yeah. Matter of fact, I don't think there's ever been a, a, a martial arts wrestler who came out in American flag gear. I don't think so. No, I can't think of any. I can't think of any. That's a shame. They could have capitalized on some shit like that, man. I'm saying that that's just it just hurts. It breaks my heart, man. Like, come on, man. You can at least they do it in the movies. You could do it in pro wrestling. Oh yeah, it'd be perfect, right? I mean, I don't know which wrestler I could see doing that with a martial arts background. I couldn't see Steve Blackman doing it because <laughs> he just looks too serious. There's a guy in the. the his name's Doom Montgomery, and uh, he's got like he's got like um, his gimmick is American Psycho. Like he comes out with like the the rain the rain jacket covered in blood and everything. Oh, but like he, well, of course, when he throws it off, he's wearing like his MMA stuff because he's legit an MMA guy. So like in this one promotion we wrestle at, in fact, we actually had a show, we had a spot show yesterday for this like cop festival for the local police. Um, and uh, in this, this is the only promotion. He's not doom. He's Lee Wyatt and he's Kung like redneck Kung Fu. So like he rocks a gi and underneath is like a flannel. He wears like these tattered up like Kung Fu out like Kung Fu uh, pants. So like, um, I feel like like the American gi would fit perfectly. <laughs> with that, that You know, he sounds very interesting. Oh, he's awesome. Like, he's a great – that's a guy I definitely get on. Just have a conversation with that guy. <laughs> he reminds me of Jerry Flynn if he had a charisma. Oh, yeah. that Honestly, that, that might be the perfect description of too. <laughs> Jerry Flynn with charisma. Does he got the mullet, too? Sometimes. He does mullet it up sometimes, but, like, he'll usually get a cut and get it short and look like Christian Bale. Yeah, he's got to do the he's got to do the buzz cut mullet. That, <laughs> oh my god! That look if that doesn't scream nineteen eighties martial arts movie. Oh yeah, come on now. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> I mean, damn. <laughs> Matter of fact, I got to do that at my job, right? Mm. Shit, you not. He looked just like Theo Vaughn, mullet and all. Jesus. And I'm like, the first thing that popped in my head was a recent episode I was watching where he had Hulk Hogan on there. And just the dumbest stuff he was saying. Like, did that did that shit really work, man? Saying your prayers, eating your vitamins? Like, did all that work? <laughs> Hogan yeah. just ran to the caffeine. Oh, yeah. Hogan's just running with it. Everything worked with a brother, you know, just doing the routine and, you know, doing the, the, the vitamins and the, and just believing in yourself, brother. Those those are legit things. I'm sitting there like, this motherfucker's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's how I sounded when I said it. Because I was sitting out on my patio sunbathing and just my zebra draws and my headphones. Tanning. Tanning. Look, ever since my West Coast excursion, I've been 
trying to maintain that team that I got from there. Yeah. yeah. It's at the point to where since then I've been referred to as Dark Chocolate, Boca Chocolate, you know, Suntan Superman. I'm like, oh. Suntan dude. Superman. Oh. I will take it because the first thing that came to mind was Ron Killens. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They called that because that was his nickname in TNA, the Suntan Superman. That's awesome. Be like, beware, because I'm coming for you. It's the remix of the three live crews. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That faction was so organic and cool in uh, TNA. Yeah, watching early TNA stuff, they they were super fun. I loved early TNA because I thought they had better factions than what WWE had to offer at the time. Like They had disciples of the new church. They had, you know... Raised the extreme uh, revolution. They had um, sports entertainment extreme, sports entertainment extreme, and then the subgroups that were part of it, like Triple X. Yeah, because they were basically the free birds of the X division. You know, Team Canada. And, um, who else? Um, oh, Team Canada was so good. Yes, Team Triple A, Team Japan. I mean, they were so great. TNA. TNA, probably its first five years were probably its glorious years. Then after that, it went all the shit. I've been binging um, two th- from lockdown 2009 on because, like, a lot of the paper, all, all those pay per views are on YouTube. So yeah. I've been, I've, been, I've just been binging that because, like, that's the era I started watching TNA. The first lockdown is on YouTube as well, too. Yeah. I, I think I had that on a DVD. Still got mine. I bought it as like a three DVD package at Walmart for like $24. But I put it on layaway because I couldn't afford that shit. I was in high school. But it was Lockdown, Victory Road, and Turning Point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that, that's exactly what I have too. Yep. Because uh, it's hard to watch the first half of the very first Lockdown. Really, I try to remember it because that was the match that caused Chris Candido's debut. Yeah, that's right. Led to his eventual death. Yeah, and there was um in the bonus features, right? They had a bunch of his TNA matches on there, if I remember correctly. Yep, as a tribute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty rad. But yeah, as I say, that's I think probably if I ever were to rewatch that lockdown, that I'd be skipping that match and just going to the next one. I mean, I still watch it. It's just. You know, I'm one of those type of people. I'll still, even though what he did as a human wasn't right, you know, I still have a different theory. Uh, I can still sit through a Chris Benoit match with no problem. Mm-hmm. I can still sit through any of the Von Erichs matches, no problem. I can oh, still yeah. watch Gino Hernandez's match, New Jack, you know, Brian Pillman. Yeah, I still have no problems watching their matches because I'm going to always be attached. Crispin was the reason why my favorite finisher is the dragon suplex hold with a bridge. Yeah. You know, how can you not erase that from your mind? No, oh, yeah, really. It's definitely really good. Like, I even love playing him on virtual pro wrestling more than I do on WCW, NWO World Tour, and Revenge. Yeah. Because he's got a better moveset. 
Oh, yeah, I was about to say, does his stats better? But, yeah, probably the moves at that. Oh, yeah, and not just that. You got three versions of Benoit in the game. You got, oh, four, yeah. you got four horsemen, Chris Benoit. You got wild Pegasus, Chris Benoit. And you got Pegasus Kid, was, which was his mass character yeah. in Japan. So you got all three of those. Like, right. I'm telling you, that game slaps so hard with all the hidden characters. That Z button is a most <laughs> like you can get, for example, you can get Keiji Mudo and you can get Great Mudo. Yeah. You can get um, Koji Kanimoto and you can also get Tiger Mask number three. Mm. Like you can get Eddie Guerrero and you can get Black Tiger. Like that's how cool it is. Yeah. Like you can get, you can get Gary Albright and you can get Dr. Death Steve Williams because they were the tag champs when the game came out. It's got the who's who's mm-hmm. of the roster, roster yeah. back in the 90s. Because you don't know who's in the Z button because it doesn't tell you. Mm. Like, those are the those aren't the unlockable characters. Those are the hidden characters. Like, I know there was Jado and Ghetto. There was Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow and Aja Kong, which I thought was interesting. And then you had Kensuke Sasaki and you had Power Warrior. Yeah. Um, you had Hawk and Animal. No, they weren't hidden characters. They were just multiple characters. But, oh, Mizawa and Tiger Mask 2, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. And you can also unmask Ultimo Dragon. No kidding. Because they got him not representing WCW on the game. Yeah. He represented War, which is the Dead or Alive generic version. But that's where he got started at. Because originally he was trying to go to New Japan. And they said he was too small. Yeah. They say it was too small. Plus, his goal was to be Tiger Mask. He wanted to be the next Tiger Mask. Like, that was yeah. his goal. He wanted to be what Mazawa was. But so then. He had to go to Mexico, which was recommended by Tatsumi Fujinami. Yeah. wrestled in Mexico as a acai. And that's where he came up with the acai moonsault. And then he, uh, he ended up going with being repackaged as the Ultimo Dragon, meaning he was the last student of Bruce Lee. And the Ultimo Dragon character debuted at Super World of Sports, WWF, uh, Dubbed Super Show, and I think '92 or three. I think it was. Oh, that was okay. That was his debut. That was his official debut. Was he that re- the match where he tried to do like an up and over or something? And I think he like on Jerry's brother. Yeah, he he lost his grip or somebody flew <laughs> he flew over the rope to the outside. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He yeah, and I was like, holy shit! It was like it like he was all right. They were able to, but like you could tell. When he got thrown back in, they were all kinds of like jittered up, and then yeah. eventually, but like they got right back on track though. That Just, match was for the, um, I think it was for the uh, UWA World Junior Heavyweight Title. I believe so. Yeah, I actually watched that show. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it was earlier this year. It was on YouTube. I watched it. I've, I've been watching a lot of the FMW stuff, man. Yeah, that's I, one I gotta go back and watch definitely. 
Oh yeah, it's just it, it, it's hard to watch it the second half when it started dying. After yeah, Onita left. Like it started. It wasn't the same. Less, and at the time, and I'm sorry, I get the whole loyalty factor, but I would have taken the chance, and if I was Hayabusa, I would have took Liger's offer. Oh yeah, because oh. Liger was trying to get him a spot on New Japan's junior division. Mm. He would have basically been Liger level from the from the get go. You think if um, when FMW folded, had Hayabusa not got hurt, do you think he would have went to New Japan, or do you think he would have went to All Japan, or do you think he would have started his own group? I think, I think he would have gone. Well, he did start his own group. He started a wrestling marvelous future. Okay. Which, if you notice, it's the acronym of FMW, but switched around. Oh, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it was mostly junior heavyweights who couldn't make it to certain promotions like Toriumon, which later on became Dragon Gate, yeah. or All Japan and New Japan. It was basically the indie junior standouts. The rejects. <laughs> Not no. really, because a lot of you also got to think about it, a lot of the guys that you see on like promotions like Noah and whatnot were those rejects from that era. Like, okay, guys like Hayata and yeah, um, yeah, he was one of those rejects from that era. Um, but guys like Mineo Fujita, who was in WMF, that's where he got his start from, and he's doing pretty well in the indies, and you know, it was. A lot of the guys that are currently in Big Japan's junior division came from WMF, you know. Okay. Some, some wrestle for what used to be, I don't know if Apache's still going. Mm. But, uh, yeah, but I think they're not called Freedoms. But, yeah, a lot of those guys, they're still doing well in the indies. I mean, Hell yeah. But I think their biggest standout was Onryo and... Mineo Fujita. I think those two were his standouts. But there were some other guys, too, uh, that ended up finding work when WMF folded. Because they also had involvement with guys like Dragon Kid, because Dragon Kid basically was, you know, the biggest Hayabusa influencer. Because that was the only reason why he wanted to get into wrestling, because of watching Hayabusa. But okay. because he said he was too small, Dragon Kid actually started out in FMW as a referee. referee no Referee Nobuyoshi Nakamura. Okay. So, yep. A little fun fact there. Some knowledge. I know my employee is. Trouble <laughs> knowledge. Hey, you feeling cheesy? Let me stop. The Cheetos are covering skull opening Lido King. <laughs> I need to stop watching me, can you? <laughs> Anywho, we got one more match before closing. Once again, the entrance is epic because it's well, it's typical moon dog. Yo, that's another thing that I clicked with you too. The fact that your theme song is my name is Mud by Primus, and yeah. I love me some Primus. Uh, ever since I was in middle school, and I heard Winona's got a big brown beaver. 
Mm-hmm. And then I didn't know they were the same band that was doing the theme song to South Park. So, yeah. And then what really got me hooked on to them was the second Family Values tour. And I heard My Name is Mud. Then that's when I got fully hooked. Oh, yeah. I get uh, there's a lot of hardcore Primus fans that are wrestling fans. And mm-hmm. like any when they hear it, it's like they're like, oh, that's awesome. Um, Gay Brunch last year. Excuse me. Um, when the music pumped through and um, right at, towards the end of my entrance, when it got to the lyrics, I was hearing a section sing. And then the song cut off. I'm like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, oh my God. I, I never would have thought people would have sang My Name is Mud. So I'm like, oh, if only it was on for just 30 seconds longer. I think this whole building would have been singing My Name is Mud. <laughs> I mean, you should get it going next time. Definitely. It's just, it's it's a long intro before it finally kicks into the lyrics. That's cool. Um, yeah, but definitely. You know, that hopefully uh, next time, it, if it ever happens, I'd love to see if it they sing to it. Try editing it. Try to create like an edit to where you still got your intro, but then it cuts into the, the lyrics. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, because my favorite part was like, my name is my... My name is my... That's like it. my favorite part. But. Hell yeah. Between him and uh, Phil the Arvizu from Corn, those are yeah. like my two favorite bass players. My two favorite go-tos. I mean, I do have other favorites, but those two, they have their own category of yes. being my favorites. Yeah. Um, anywho, on to the clip. <laughs>
the backstory between that match that one um so that promotion uh crash tested was like one of my first regular promotions it was out in indiana um like about like 20 minutes outside of chicago and holbert um that so i think that was like uh let's see right here what we got here my 59th match so um that one so I was just, like I said, I first one of my first regular bookings was that place. Um, and I was wrestling, his name is Luke Savage. That crowd did not give a fuck about him. <laughs> it felt so bad because I was the bad guy. You know, I'm trying to get him cheered. I'm like working. I'm like, oh, where are you people? Come on, come on. And they're just, they're reacting to my stuff. But like, I can only imagine like, all I could think of was like, if only like, I don't like thinking back. I should have told them, hey, you know, work the crowd, this, that, and the other. But like, you know, I was again, I was 
little greener back then. Um, but so this is the big story out of it. I get, uh, I get told about the match, like, cool. And uh, the promoter's like, um, I want you to put over Luke. It's going to be his first win in CTW. We've been doing this angle where he just can't, where he, he, he comes as close, but he comes up short. I'm like, hell yeah, that's perfect. I was like, I'm, de- I'm definitely down with that. Because, like, you know, I was like, I have no problem putting people over. I have no problem with wins and losses. Um, so put him over. That's why I screamed, he ain't going to get his first win over me, blah, blah, blah. Put him over and such. Get an update in the group chat for the next show and we see a bunch of cuts from the group chat people being deleted and then um promoter announces that like oh yeah we had to cut guys because they just they don't help with the rain they don't do this they don't do that and he was one of them (laughs) and i I laugh because like i said it's like i don't care about wins and losses uh but that was the first time i'm like well why the hell did i put him over (laughs) there and if you were just gonna get rid of him (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) <laughs> well of course you know things happen you know it's a last minute thing he, he didn't intend that for that to happen it just you know it happened uh but <laughs> it was fun you know i was like when i think of like my heel stuff like i said earlier like i'm very overly critical of that of it but like i've that one i think like i look back i'm like no you know that was a really fun match like if i imagine if me and him worked again it'd be so much better though you know but like from what it was, I didn't think it was bad. That was pretty fun. Um, I just wish the crowd cared. <laughs> and what was what I busted out laughing before we came back to the podcast was he wins, he celebrates, and then he just goes to the back. He doesn't he doesn't milk it at all. He just yay! He runs to the back. <laughs> so I'm just in the ring dead. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, roll out. Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm never coming back. And then I think um, actually the very next show I think was my last show because I uh, switched to uh, JWA because JWA and Crash Justice usually run the same night of the month, uh, same day of the month. So Janesville is so much closer to me. Janesville is only 45 minutes from me. Hobart, Indiana is two hours. <laughs> so, you know, what? W- w- Way, way to go to bed. Also, there's like so many more. All, all the guys I know that work at Janesville and like, you know, all the matches and such. Um, now they got to crash test the roster. They got some good guys there, but it's like, I think I think I, I think I'm a better fit at Janesville. Though, like, um, the guy back in January hit me up. He goes, "Hey, what dates can you do?" And I was, I, and the dates I gave him were just like, "Oh, here." Then six months after that, here. Three months after that, here. And then and, and such. So like I think at that point it goes, eh. Which is fine, you know. I don't I don't I don't have any I don't harbor any ill will, but to the guy, in fact, I'm very thankful for him giving me the steady work for as new as I was. And of course, like I said, breaking out of that first trainer's place and going into the scene, the indie scene. But yeah, that was actually thankfully when I it's funny because I saw the I, I saw the CTW, it was like which match is this? And then when I realized it was the one with Luke, I'm like, okay. Cause like, um, there was one with another guy. His name's Tully Bertrelli. We were given 10 to 12. We went four. Needless to say, promoter was not happy. And he told, <laughs> he wasn't too thrilled about that. Obvious reasons, you know, like you got 10 minutes. Why the fuck do you go four minutes? <laughs> just happened that way 
yeah, fun times. You know, I look back. I don't, I don't look back with it. I, I don't look back with any malice. There's no reason to. I look back and kind of like smirk and smile. I'm like, yeah, that was fun for what it was. And it's like it was a nice stepping stone to what I am now. And I'm, I'll always be thankful for Jed for that. So, question. The yeah. guy who got cut, have you still heard anything new about him? Clips from other Indiana promotions? Because he was an Indiana guy. He, he's out of Muncie. Um, I've seen clips of him doing stuff for those promotions. Uh, there was a clip or two of him almost dying and landing on his head on a few stuff. That was, you know, he was sharing. But other than that, no, I haven't really heard about Logan. Or Luke, not Logan, Luke. I haven't heard about Luke in a while. Um, which is funny because um, I think when I when I when it was announced I was working with Luke Savage, I want to say Liam said, hey, what the hell? <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> but, no, I haven't I haven't heard much of from Luke. I'm, I'd have to, I'm have to go back and check out social media, see what he's been up to. Yeah, it's the least you can do, man. Look. It ain't your fault he got fired. I mean, <laughs> I can tell by watching the match, he just was being a nonchalant dickhead. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't a character. That's just how he was. Like, he seemed like he's like that in real life. I could be wrong, but that's the Nonchalant for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I could. I mean, if you could read it that way, I, I can definitely see why. And you know, knowing him, or you know, the interactions I've had with him, yeah, like he's he's not like a like a dickhead or a jerk to me. He's just like, like you said, but I'm sure he, yeah. and I'm sure he's pretty much a nice guy. He's just, I don't know. That's the vibe that I got off. Of. I think I think your vibe is pretty correct, though. Yeah, I would yeah, say your vibe. You look like a non-king fucking dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Two sideways K Hosser. Anywho, uh, <laughs> Moon Doggy, before we uh, close out tonight's show, please let everyone know the current POW Entertainment Heavyweight Champion of the Midwest. How to reach and book out to one Moon Dog, Greg Murray. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Twitter, Moondog Murray, Facebook and Instagram, Moondog Greg Murray. Uh, you can slide in the DMs and we could talk about shows. You can also email me, uh, bookgregmurray at gmail.com. And uh, definitely follow me and support, keep supporting because, like, I've noticed in the past week, like, you know, everything's starting to tick up, which I am super appreciative of. So thank you, thank you everybody who supported me from day one, and thank you to the people who are supporting me now, because like you know, better late than never. So I appreciate y'all for doing that, and Mike especially, he was a day oneer for sure. Yeah. So, uh, but to any brand new fans, are like, hey, I like this guy. Thank you for your support, and I hope to see you at shows. I hope to see you, uh, you know, fo- following the career, and uh, for you to be able to, if you know, the day I. Make it big, quote unquote. You could be like, ah, I remember when he wrestled in bumfuck Illinois. <laughs> I'm telling you, you need to come out to the DMV, man. And there's there's a lot of areas where a lot of AEW affiliate wrestlers show up to. Oh, yeah. um, you got Maryland Championship Wrestling. You got 
Um, they're starting to have more wrestling promotions um, in Virginia, but it's more like Norfolk and more like Hampton, which is kind of the ghetto. But I promise Gino Medina the next time he goes to a BCW show in Hampton or Norfolk, Norfolk I'll be there. Oh, yeah. So, Got to support the guy. But I'd love, I'd love to make it happen, so please. They, all, they always have a lot of AEW affiliate shows, like Maryland Championship Wrestling, yeah. because they got Jimmy's world-famous seafood, which yeah. place is the hype. Yeah. I, I live an hour away from Jimmy's Famous. It is all that it's hyped up to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm down to go anywhere. I got a big trip in uh, October that I am excited to announce once uh, they make the announcement and uh, share. So, I mean, I, I want to, you know, I want to wrestle everywhere, wrestle as much as I can until I can't do it anymore. You know. Matter of fact, there's another promotion in Maryland called yeah. Assault Wrestling Alliance. Yeah. Bill Alfonso is the uh, commissioner of it. Oh, really? And I've been to a ton of their shows. Matter of fact, the, the current world tag champs, the Blood Brothers, they've been on the show a couple of times, too. And I've been able to get a couple of photos with them. And when I post them online, they're like, Mike, I didn't know you had cousins. Like, <laughs> Fuck y'all. I'm the darkest one of the three. You're just saying that because we're big, light-skinned, and bald-headed. <laughs> Hell yeah. Literally, it was, but and I met Bill Alfonso and chatted with him, and I told him I want to bring him on the show, and he's like, "Let me know, I'd love to be on it." He's like, "But can I take a picture with your big gold just for my collection?" I was like, "Really? Cool." So not only did I get a picture with him on my phone, he took a picture with my belt on his phone. That's badass. That's so really I was cool. Like, Fuck yes. I'm like. Here, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, take no questions. <laughs> and uh, met Tim Storm, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, and he, me, him in person, he's a big dude. He's very. I uh, when I went when I got to help out at NWA in Chicago, uh, he was the commentator for the tapings, and he's just wide. Like he's got no neck. He's just <laughs> he has no neck, but he's a big. Like even when I shook his hand, I was like, dude, like a bear. Dude, yeah, I was like this dude could punch my whole face in. This <laughs> <laughs> like, could kill me. Like literally, but just the most coolest, laid back, kindest person you ever meet, and you know, and he even told me if I wanted to bring him on the show to reach out which I haven't, but like I said, I was going through a small depressive slump, which caused my oh. West Coast excursion to happen. And then when I came back, that's when I repackaged my Wednesday night shows to Mike Thunder era because it just was basically feeling everything that I had needed from the excursion. Oh, yeah. Get your mojo back, your hype. It's not back yet, but it's still it's it's better than what it was before. That's good. That's a not at hundred percent. I'd say I'm more at like seventy five. That's really good. You know, mm -hmm. that's very good. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. With that being said, I'm Mike Thunder. He's the power heavyweight champion, Moon Dog Murray. 
appreciate you guys for tuning in. And we're going to close it out with, once again, the Moon Doggy Highlight Reel. See you guys tomorrow night on Thirsty Thunder Thursday as we do a tribute to Adrian Street.